Pizza presents The Steve Dangle Podcast with your hosts, Steve Dangle and Adam Wilde. Well, 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 it's well. another day and another podcast and another illustrious guest. Yeah. Please welcome to our show. The one and only, the infamous, Mike and Buffalo! Mike, or Mike Augello. Mike, I was about to say, which do you prefer these days? I'm good with both, but, you know, in formal situations, I mean, like, okay, for example, we had the puck talks in, in June when they put out the advertisement, they put out... Kevin McGrand, Mike Zeisberger, Steve Dangle, Mike in Buffalo. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't mind if it said Mike in Buffalo, a Jello, mm-hmm. because people know me as yeah. Mike in Buffalo, but not just Mike in Buffalo. I'm, you know, I've been writing for Hockey Buzz for nine years, and I'm a member of the PHWA, Damn. and. You know, I'm trying to be both. I mean, my name, I want to be associated with it because my name is on Twitter as Mike in Buffalo, but my name is also Mike Agello, so I'm trying to... Yeah, no, I get it. I totally understand. I think uh, on my book, it's going to be Steve Dangle Glynn. Because if, if Glenn wasn't there, I think my dad would just start yeah. weeping. He'd be like, no, I'm still proud of you, son. Oh. <laughs> yeah. like it, would, it would kill him a little bit inside. Do you have a vote for the NHL awards? I voted... This year for the Masterton, it was the first first. I've only been a member for a year, and this was the first time I got a chance to vote. So, do they let you? Do they only let you in slowly? Like, how does that? <laughs> like, it's like okay, well, one you're gonna get us, the you're gonna get the shitty award first. So, just to make sure we can trust you. Well, I'm a, I'm a member of the international chapter, so I think they were limited to the Masterton, and I know, you know, I, maybe after a while, I don't know, I don't know the the exact rules, but I know like certain people had other awards to vote for. I mean, I would have loved to have voted for the Calder. Obviously, my choice would have been Patrick Line. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Get out, sir. Yeah, yeah. What, By the way, is... the Masterton is not the shitty award. I'm no. just kidding. Please don't tweet and, me. And, and, don't and at me. By that. Everybody, yeah. man. Come on. Master- what, what a Master- silly question, Jesse. Masterton would have been I was just kidding. So, I've actually never heard of that before. What is the international chapter of the PHWA? Not exactly sure. Um, <laughs> That's cool, no, man. I mean, That's there, cool. There are there are chapters in every city. Um, obviously, like in Toronto, yeah, Lan- Toronto Lan- Lance, Lance Hornby is the chair chairman of the of the of Toronto chapter. The international chapter, the the chairperson is the head of the PHWA, which now is Mark Mark Spector. So, um, hmm. although uh, it was, I'm going to ask you to get a little bit closer. Here, you oh, know bring what? your bike gonna, in closer. I'm gonna oh, this, no, 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 you're cool. You. You're you cool. Sure? I just want to. I just want to, Mike. No. I just need you to bring your mic in a little bit closer. That's if that's cool. Just because yeah. I want the people to hear you. Yeah, no, no. And I, I want to know about this this chapter because it sounds like you guys would you know get together and uh, and maybe wear rings <laughs> and maybe uh, drag the, the stone of shame <laughs> and the stone of <laughs> what is it the uh, the stone of triumph. There's there's <laughs> There's no, there are no sacrifices on an altar. There's okay. no bloodletting. Nothing, okay. nothing of that nature. I'm a little no. disappointed to be honest. No, I, I think that the international chapter was created for more of an online presence because you know there's been and and again I'm a, I've been a member for less than a year so. I, I was told uh, that that was the chapter that I had the best chance of getting in, so that's the way, direction I went, and that's where I am. So, I mean, I, I have no complaints, and it you know, I have all the rights and privileges of anybody else who's in the PHWA, so... That's cool. Yeah. That's wicked, man. Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. Yeah, like, it, 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 you know, believe me, from... 
being from where where I came, where I've come from, to be a, a credentialed member of the media, to be a, a, a member of the P, uh, the Professional Hockey Writers Association, it's it's bizarre. So let's start. Yeah, from the start because I remember yeah. listening to you on the radio. Yeah. So you used to call in when uh, when I guess it was AM six forty used to have you know the, Leaf the Leafs talk. the Leafs yeah. talk. Was it Andy yeah. Frost back then? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it was it always it was always Andy Frost. Right. It started okay. in nineteen ninety eight, and I started calling in 1998. And so just I, so for anybody, yeah. sorry, just for anybody that's not in the in the Toronto area, yeah. AM 640 was a big AM station. Yeah. Is sort of it's not anymore. But it's still there. And yeah. It, yeah, and it and it's 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 an AM signal, so it goes all the way to Buffalo, right. like a lot of our F- FMs do. But AM signals, especially at night, bounce right. right. So Jeff you Merrick would, used to have a show. Yep, yeah, with Bill Waters, a former yep. assistant GM of the Leafs. So and, they they kind of had that Leafs talk lunch show. Before anybody else had it, before yeah. TSN came along, it was like kind of the fan and mojo, right. or whatever they called it. Right. Well, and, no, it was it was AM six forty, and I and I called both shows. I you mean, did yeah. I mean, Leafs launch did not come into existence until I think like two thousand one or two thousand two. Jeff Jeff would know, mm-hmm. um, but Leaf Talk started in ninety eight, and like one night, I was just like flipping through the dial looking for something, looking for the game. The game had just ended, and they said Leaf Talk with Andy Frost. And I, I didn't know who Andy Frost was because I, you know, I listened to Q one hundred and seven, but I, not sun, not Sunday mornings, not Psychedelic Sunday. I started listening after after it, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, they had this call in show, and I've been a, I was a call in guy, for you know, like back to when I was in my. Even before my early teens, when Scotty Bowman had a call-in show in Buffalo when he was coach, when I was like 12, 13 years old, wow. I was calling in and asking him about, you know, what's this defenseman Mark Ferner? Where is he from? You know, asking him like really specific questions about players, and they're like, "What the hell is this kid calling up for?" You know, <laughs> can you imagine and, if they did that today? Oh no, I mean, we're gonna do an hour with Mike Babcock now. Wow. Yeah. No, but it was an hour a week. And and you, wow. you know, that's 1979-1980. This is before sports radio. They would have sports shows, but it was on a station that would have music or yeah. news. Oceans of great music and sports talk for one random hour. Yeah. Like it's, it would, yeah, they were always, radio stations back then were a lot more full service. Right? Radio for guys. Yeah. Didn't exist. Remember all that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sport, well, one of the, one of the uh, wannabe Buffalo sports stations called it smart, uh, sports talk for smart people wow <laughs> and it was and it was it was obno- it was it was obnoxious it was, it, you know the 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 host is still on in buffalo and uh, you know anyway but uh <laughs> the, there was a there was a show that, and uh mike robitaille who was the sabers color commentator jim kelly the late great uh, buffalo news uh, column a uh, buffalo news sports columnist and uh mm-hmm. you know he worked at the, at the fan 590 for a while yes he did i got uh, his uh, i got his tea order yeah, every he, day great great guy absolutely <laughs> great guy mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, a number of different hosts would have a sports show, and I, I would call in, and it was mostly predominantly Sabers because it was in Buffalo, mm-hmm. and I would call in, and they'd say Mike in Chicktawaga, which is the suburb of Buffalo that I'm from. No fires, by the way, <laughs> um, and. Uh, yeah, that's the Irv Weinstein Channel Seven reference because everybody I talk to from from Toronto when I they tell them from I'm from Buffalo. Oh, I remember all the fires on Channel Seven. <laughs> so, um, Cheektowaga, by the way, is my favorite suburb in Buffalo. Oh, it's, it's just that's, that's just name. the name. It's yeah. The best name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know and there's there were a lot already, of car dealers but... for some reason in Cheektowaga. Yes, yes, there are. We get a lot of your commercials. And yeah, I, 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 I live a couple blocks from some of them. <laughs> so, so anyway, I, I call up and they say Mike and Cheektowaga and Jim Kelly's like, okay. Mike, what do you, what what question about the Leafs do you want to ask? Because he he knew it was me. Mm-hmm. Like I would because I would call up all the time. So I started calling in 
1998 calling in the Leaf Talk with Andy Frost. And, you know, I called up the first time. It was no big deal. Called up like a couple times after. They liked the fact that I was from Western New York. I had the Buffalo accent, which I can't hear. It's I hear my voice every day. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I don't hear a difference between my voice and your, your voices because I've been in Toronto so much in my life. It just sounds natural. But they they want they encouraged me to continue to call because the most of the callers calling in after the game were basically blasted and like they had been drinking <laughs> a twelve pack of Labatt's and they're like, yeah I want to trade Matt Sundin for a bag of pucks I hate that Swede you know like you know this, yeah. this kind of stuff and like they I was bringing like a serious point of view I mean I have my own opinions but it got to the point where it was a regular thing you're an arable caller. Which, I mean, as Jesse and I know, we run calls all afternoon on KISS is a, you know, of, you might get one in ten. Yeah. My my favorite game to play listening to sports talk callers is, like, guess how many teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the ones at night. You wow, can hear man. that they don't have teeth. Like, it's, the, I don't know how to describe you can, it. You can hear the air being sucked thin through the gaps. Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, just talking through <laughs> the <there>. gap <laughs> in their bottom teeth. Well, I mean, listen, not everybody has a dental plan, and so sometimes <laughs> it's right. a little bit easier. Dental uh, privilege. But, you know, I, I, I've, I've heard from, from sports radio producers in the building, and I won't say which ones, mm. that they hate putting calls on the air. Yeah. Hate it because of that reason. Um, so and, and the great, you know, yeah. with, with, with top 40, I'll be honest, sometimes you can take a call, put it into what we have, a, it's called a Vox Pro. You can edit the call up, make it sound cleaner. But right. with sports radio, it has to be live. You know, you might be on a seven second delay, but, you know, all of those ums and ahs and a lot of people call and they have a question, yeah. which turns into a statement question. Mm. And you're not sure. So a guy like you would be like, thank God we're going to get some good content out of this. The, it's, a, it's like a 60 second statement followed by, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. You know, Matson needs a bum and needs to be traded and he stinks and I don't like him. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah. do you remember a particular show where someone called in and said the Leafs need to trade Travis Green for Joe Thornton? <laughs> no, but that wouldn't be that wouldn't be out of the uh the realm of yeah. uh of what what was usually that was a discussed. Thing? I mean that there was a great video clip and I can't find it anymore. If someone can find it, please do. They have Andy Frost on mic and yeah. for whatever reason they had a camera set up. He's like, Well, you know, I don't think it at, I don't think it makes sense to trade Travis Green for Sean Thornton. Yeah. You know, they got a lot of and he's like, No, 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 the other one. Joe Thornton? <laughs> and he just hangs up the phone. He's like, I can't. Like, yeah. That's you know ridiculous. We could, that's... we could just tweet Andy and ask him. Yeah. No, I had, Maybe. I don't know how active he is. No, and I know why. he uh, When they were broadcasting the post-game show on Leafs TV, it was called, they changed it from Leaf oh. Talk to After the Horn. Maybe that was it. After the yeah. Horn. Oh. And, uh, and that, that was the, the fun. And now the funny thing was, you know, it got to the point where and this was a toll call back in 1998-1999. I mean, it was like I was calling in and it was costing me like 6 or $7 every time I called. Wow. Because, oh, wow. Yeah, be, so it's like, and I, I said, guys, can you put me on earlier because it's killing me. I mean, I want to do this and I like, I enjoy doing it, but this is... So what you're they, making demands. I'm surprised they didn't call you. Well, that's what they, that's what they, that's what they did. I, I would call in. I had to get through. I, and everybody, I, I swear, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said, oh, they gave you a special number and you got through. No, I just knew when to call. And I, and I had a phone with a fast redial and I called and called and called until I got through. So I, I said, can 
you know, can I call you and can you like just put me on the air instead of me waiting on for 25 minutes? And he says, well, we can't do that. But what we'll do is we got your number. You call in. We will call you back when we're ready to put you on the air. We'll put you in the like in line, and when mm-hmm. your time comes up, and that was fine. I just and then they got an eight hundred number, and then it was no problem. But you know, it, that back then it wasn't it wasn't like a, you had a cell phone that had free long distance. It no. was just like it was didn't it, exist. No, it didn't it did not exist? And I, you know, it was it was you know it was killing me. I was like my phone bill was two hundred bucks. <laughs> I'm like okay. back when that was especially that's bad, <laughs> right? <laughs> now yeah. it's, that's regular. Yeah, yeah. I'm like but that's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so you you start off and you're and you're and you're calling into these shows, yeah. and you know you're what we would call a ringer. So somebody who comes in and actually, you know, pushes the conversation forward, which we want. Right. Um, then, you know, a, a few years must pass. When when does this start to evolve into more for you? Well, okay. For, first of all, in in '99, and I don't, I still to this day don't know how it evolved, but uh, a reporter named Simon Dingley, who I'm friends with for CBC. He got. I, think I recognize that. Yeah. Yeah. He got uh, my number from 640 because the Leafs played the Sabers in the conference final that year, and they wanted a human interest story. Oh. Yeah. Leaf fan in Buffalo. You know, let's come into come into his house. I was still living at home at that point, and it's like I, you know, uh, and I. They they came in and they said, "Well, put your Leaf jersey on, you know, put the Leaf screensaver on your computer," which I didn't even have until they they told me, "Do you have a screensaver?" You know, like you just it, had to put it in text. It was one of those wobbly. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was it was sort of that leaf that would, that leaf that would go up and down. Yeah, really? you, a, it wasn't it's... floating in the aquarium with no, all the fish. No, 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 no. <laughs> you, so, you put so, the shading on it, so it was three D, man. They they, they zero Whoa. in they zero in on my license plate with the with the Leafs frame. I mean, I yeah. looked like a total total just like loser i mean yeah i mean i'm a fan i'm proud of being a fan but i just i didn't want like oh you know just this you know but but yeah imagine decking out your house in jerseys and trinkets (laughs) (laughs) but you know i mean even at that point i was i was aspiring to like not be be more than just a caller i wanted to get into the business sure and i didn't want to come off as being super fan but that was the way i mean i got on the cbc i got on the cb the uh, cblt in Toronto, I still have the video to this day. I'm embarrassed as all hell, but but it yeah. would be great if you, you put that need on YouTube. To put that on YouTube. Uh, I, I will. Well, the, the the thing that is on YouTube now, and I can find it, but it, it, it shows shows like how uneducated I was about television and about you know I had my like uh, Leafs TV wanted me to do like a man in the street type of thing. Mm-hmm. 2007, the Leafs opened the season in Buffalo. And they sent me to Pearl Street Brewery, which is right near the uh, the arena, which was then I think uh, Marine Midland Arena. Sabers had come off losing in the conference final. You know there was a lot of the Sabers going to win the cup, all this stuff. Leafs come in, and they had they they have me put my Leaf jersey on, walk into Pearl Street at lunchtime, and interview people who are eating lunch. And I'm like. I don't want to do this, but I want to. Yeah. Yeah, I want to get on Leafs TV, but I don't want to do this. It's so awkward, and you're eating yeah. people, who, or you're interviewing people who are eating. Right, <laughs> they don't want to do it. Right. Hey, you're eating. Do you want to talk to me? Yeah, and it's hard to do an interview with a subject that doesn't feel like being interviewed. So I got through that. It was painful. I got through that, and I and I, you know, I I tried to make keep it as light as possible. At the end of it, you did you did the the last, uh, you know, little speech, and then you hand it back to. I think it was Brian Duff who was doing Leafs TV back then, Leafs TV back then, oh. and 
I'm walking with the microphone in one hand and my hand in my pocket in the other one. I look like a total doof. And I just, you know, I just, I, you know, I, I was not prepared for that. I mean, I'm, you know, even though I have dashing good looks. <laughs> I, I, yeah. 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 I don't know I, why. I, you I, laugh first, man. I, I, no, I, I, I am not, I'm not a TV guy. My, my thing is the radio or being a reporter. And you know, I was out of my comfort zone. I'm glad I did it. But when I'm getting, you know, the producers from Leafs TV contacting me and saying, we want you to do this on the air. I'm like, okay, this is leading somewhere. Mm-hmm. And my and I and I very similar story actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just and, gonna say. And, and the, the 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 turning point was 2008. Well, 2007 was the 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 Muskoka five year. Yeah, well, it was one of them. Yeah, it was the first year they really seemed out of it because right. there was 0506 they missed by one point right. 0607 they missed by one point and right. that team should have actually made the playoffs right and then the following year was ooh now where are they going now was Ma- I'm, I'm struggling was Matt's year last year 08 or 07 I thought it was I think 07 it was, I, think oh, it was 07. Okay. I think it was 07 oh. well whatever year whatever 07 year, 08 because it had to yeah. be really bad yeah okay well okay the year that JFJ is fired they bring in Cliff Fletcher about Three weeks before the deadline, and it's it's all starting about okay. You know, we they're going to ask Tucker, Kubina, Caberlet, McCabe, Sundin to waive the no move clause, no trade clauses, and get something for them. They were within reasonable distance of getting, uh, you know, they they had a chance to get the first pick or at least get in the lottery to to get to get Stamkos, and of course, Matt's blocks the blocks the no. Tr- the, you know, he uses his no trade. Jeff Carter trade. And and I remember, I remember Bill. Or was Bill, that Cavalier? No, it no. Was, it, Matt's was the Jeff Carter and a first round pick. He, no, that no, that was Wasn't that it? was Cavalier. No, Matt's was Mont. It was Montreal. Oh, it was Montreal. I and he was going to Philly. And then and then after. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay, but but Jesus. well, okay. Sorry. At, no, no, no. In the in the summer, I know in the summer, and remember he they traded his rights to Montreal. That is right. I and do that. the yeah. the talk because uh, I remember the talk at that point was they were going to get Grabowski and one of either Ryan McDonough or a another another like decent player. Pacioretty? Yeah. Pacioretty. Might, might have been Pacioretty. Don't worry guys, they would have screwed that up too. Right, right, so. right. They <laughs> yeah. they would they would never been in. Right? Yeah. But but you know, Matt's didn't sign with the Canadians. He decided to sit out half a year and then sign with Vancouver. Well, Going back to the deadline when he didn't waive the no trade, I I lost my shit. I was just like, you know, I was calling not only Leaf Talk, I was calling every show that I possibly could, just like venting, and because because <laughs> it was it, it pissed me off. It's like they've paid this guy what sixty million dollars over the last eight or nine years. All they're asking you to do is pack a suitcase, go play someplace for two months. If you want to come back and finish your career as a Leaf, be my guest. But you're screwing the organization. Of course, from his point of view, he's not thinking it that way. But one of the right. sh- one of the shows that I called was Eklund's podcast that he was doing, mm-hmm. and, and he was doing podcasting well before pod- people knew what podcasting was. He's pretty yeah. ahead of the curve. Yeah, yeah. he really was. And and it, 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 he used a service that allowed for phone calls. It was this service called TalkShoe. It's still in existence. I still use it. That you call, you can call in and have callers. So I called in, and you know, he's like, "You're." Bonkers! I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a fan. And like, I mean, I said, yeah. I says, you want to write for the site? I'm like, sure. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I, I can write. I was, I, I had a, 
a BA in history. I almost have a master's in history. I've written term papers. I've written, I never wrote about sports, but I have a passion for sports and I love the history of sports. So it, if you read some of the stuff that I wrote back in 09 and, and 2010, it was a little rough, but you know, I got the hang of it. Well, who's not like that, right? Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was a turning point. Then I, 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 and I've, you know, now fast forward to now I've written something every day for the last like three years. I just, even during the summer, like right now, I mean, this is, this is the dead zone middle of July to the middle of September. There is nothing. You know, there's arbitration you know, or the the World Junior Summer Showcase. We're really talking about you know Igor Korshkov and uh, the fight at the uh, at the Wh- uh, which we will get yeah, to. Which is, we will. So you know you're 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 struggling for for anything to write about. But I I go back and start writing about trades and history. That's why the 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 tweet exchange that we had yesterday about uh, you were pointing out the uh, uh, Henrik Zetterberg. Uh, oh yeah, it's hilarious. So yeah. seventh round in 1999 and. I I discovered this just by fluke because I was researching something. The seventh round, 1999, 210th overall, Red Wings get Zetterberg. Next pick is the Leafs. They pick some goalie. He never plays in the NHL. Yep. The next pick is Colorado, Radim Verbata. Th- wow. So it was Zetterberg who has 1,000 NHL games, zero, 1,015 NHL games. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, it's seventh round. It's the most Leaf thing to have. Yeah. But it's... Incredibly, I think it was Vladimir Kulikov or something like something Kulikov. I wouldn't wouldn't have known it until I saw that. Never heard of him. But I I responded with this: it's like, and it's not ancient history. 2012, 35th pick in the second round, they draft Matt Finn, and every I remember everybody. This is a steal. This guy, you know, he should have been a first round pick. He slipped. The Leafs got themselves away. And you know, no, no offense to Matt Finn. I mean, because uh, people got excited about Matt Finn because you know he, he was in a Memorial Cup and he looked. And, and we're th- being sold on different attributes back then. We were right. being yeah. told that right. they had to get big, they had to yeah. get strong, right. and and it was that was the prevailing thought was yeah. big and strong is the only way to win. And I saw Matt Finn play for the Marlies and the foot speed was definitely a, a problem and then he gets thrown into the uh, the, gar- the garbage heap of the Michael Grabner deal. But you look That's at that right. you look at that draft 43 picks after Matt Finn Flyers take Shane Gostaspear. 7 picks after that the Blues take Colton Pareko. That's where like the Leafs, you know, Thankfully, under Mark Hunter, their you know the evaluation of talent, at least in the first round, has been really, really good. I mean, they've hit on. I mean, it was it was known as in 2014, but they they hit on Neilander, they hit on Mitch Marner. Uh, you know, first pick, I think I could have hit on Austin Matthews, <laughs> and and I think they they were they were very fortunate that uh, Lilia Gr- that Lilia Grin got uh, Mono because I think they got the best or maybe the second best defenseman in the draft at 17. But the difference between the Leafs, uh, you know, being able to build that, you know, collection of players is getting players in the second and third round. That's why a lot of people were hoping that Brocco and Dermott and Nielsen and all these guys, they really come to the forefront. If you look at the Blackhawks from a few years ago, you know, great. They had Kane, they had Taves, top picks. Boland was a second round pick. Brandon Saad was a second round pick. Corey Corey Crawford, who I think was a third. I mean, Shaw I mean, was a fifth. Shaw was a fifth. I mean, Keith was a second. Keith think, was a second. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, they got contributions from players in the in the lower rounds, and you won't find that out for maybe a year or two more. But that's where the Leafs need to go is to get those players from lower rounds to contribute. Teams, right. teams that have been perennially good for like a decade 
Sharks draft extremely well. Mm-hmm. Ducks draft extremely well. Ducks seem to have like a, a pipeline of just defensemen. Part of the reason why the Wings stink right now is they, they you didn't. know, contrary to the popular belief, they, they've drafted like garbage. Their Swedish pipeline dried up. Yep. It completely dried up. They, now, got, they got some guys, but yeah. every um, team's got some guys. But back back to your history for just a second. Yeah. So you, you start mm-hmm. writing for Hockey Buzz in mm-hmm. 08? Uh, 08, oh, yeah, 08. 08, 09. Yeah, 08, well, oh, I started as sort of like a temporary guy, you know, guest writer type of thing. I would send my writing to Eklund, and when he got around to it, he would post it. And then... Um, the right now, Howard Berger was the writer, was a more of a columnist then, and we had uh, a guy named Alec Brownscombe who uh, uh, oh, yeah. who started Maple Leaf Hot Stove. He wanted to start his own website and did, and left Hockey Buzz. And Eklund comes to me and says, "Do you want to go full time as the Leaf blogger?" I'm like, "Sure," you know, and that. You know, I was writing maybe two or three times a week. It only got to the point where I knew people wanted more. They didn't want two or three times a week. They wanted every day. They want they want to be immersed in information about the Leafs. So that's when I started writing. You know, pretty much seven days a week. But like in the last three three and a half years, I've I've written every day at all times. Sometimes twice a day because things happen. So yeah, then that was my that was my big break, and uh, and we started doing webcasts and podcasts a couple years ago, and we continue to do those to do those five days a week during during the even during the summer, and only recently in the last month or so I started writing for the sporting news uh, as a contributing writer. So I mean, yeah, I mean, pretty it, great. Yeah, it's 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 you know I I'm extre- I'm extremely extremely lucky, and you know I have to you know I have to be thankful that somebody like Andy Frost gave me the opportunity to get on the air so much. I mean, it was it was it was serving for them because they wanted a good caller. but they didn't. He promoted my calls. You know, they they would hold me back to the end. Because Mike and Buffalo was coming up, right? And I, you know, and I, I mean, People I would listen for Mike and Buffalo. Yeah, you know? I, I had, and he probably don't, won't remember this. I had Ryan Strom contact me for, through tr- Twitter. I think it was a year after he was drafted, and saying, you know, I have to say, I listened to you in the car. You know, me, me, and I, you know, I really, and I'm like. This is a guy who just got drafted in the first round in the NHL draft. Wow. Like, he's an NHL player right yeah. now. <laughs> right, right. He's is an he NHL player with Ryan Mc, or Connor McDavid next year. Yeah, oh, he'll, yeah. he'll be on Mc, oh, he'll, yeah. he'll be on McDavid's line. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, and and wow. and and okay, I'm 50 years old. Um, you know, CJ Chris Johnston is in his mid 30s. I think he's only a handful of years older than yeah, Adam and I. Am. Right, and. And just so much more successful. And I'm, and, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> and, I, and at one of the and at one of the puck talk puck talks events, I met his dad. His dad is a great guy. That and, was really cool. Yeah. yeah. And his dad tells me that him and Chris, when they're driving back from a Leafs game, they're listening to me on six forty. And I'm like, Chris is as big in this business as you can get. He's great. And I'm like, the, you know, this guy was listening to me. And, you know, this is the one thing I have to be thankful for. The Toronto media have been the most welcoming and the, the greatest to me because, I mean, they could they could have been very cynical and said, this guy's a fan. He's a pom-pom waver. He's going to, you know, like, it took a little bit of time. They may have been, you know, some people may have been skeptical, but 
everybody has been either nice or approachable and helped me out. And I'm, I'm really thankful that uh, they, they've done that because I think they recognize that I want this as my job for the remainder of my life. I worked in a bank for 16 years. I tried to become a teacher. And believe me, I would have done the profession to make money, but I'd rather do this the rest of my life because it's fun and I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think what we all recognize here is a you know the the egos i think are a little bit smaller in this country because we don't have the yes. star system yeah uh you know everything the star system the star system as in like you know if you're in if you're in england or australia they have legitimate stars that are just native to their country but in canada it's like you're not a star until you make it in the states yeah and huh. really really and truly there are very few people that are legitimate stars in canada well, only. jay and dan they were the biggest thing going on yeah. and so they left because that's what you're supposed to do. Exactly. You're supposed to leave the country, right? And you look at Drake. Like, no one would take Drake seriously if he was just a Canadian rapper, right? Mm-hmm. But because he's an internationally renowned, hugely successful rapper, people are like, yeah, he's ours, though. But Canadians, yeah. have, we have this yeah. thing about, you know, we eat our own, right? Whereas, you know, if some, you get a little too high, mm-hmm. uh, we we take you down. Cardinal was doing his thing for like 10 years before. Like, yeah. And then he gets into the States and everyone's like, oh, it's okay to like him now. Yeah. It's oh, cool. Yeah, no, I, I was ignoring him when he came out with, you know, hustling and and everyday yeah. rude boy but now that he's with Akon and he's on you know Z100 in New York then then it's cool there are many Canadian rappers who are just Canadian like only big in Canada who like it was okay to like when I was younger yeah like, it's still it was, that way it's still it that is way still, yeah. chaos I think is the only one yeah yeah chaos but like um like if red like, one hey, I like classified people will be like Ew, why do you like you glass yeah, yeah. chocolate Socrates Socrates grew up five houses down from me there you go anyway I'm sorry no, no, <laughs> but like, you know, you my, my Canadian music is rush yeah, so, yeah. 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 <laughs> that's fair yeah that's fair and, and you know the thing is um you know so so the reason I would I would there say that, worse choices. that the media are a little bit more preach or um, a little bit more approachable is because we and I say we loosely, but yeah. we all have to work together, yeah. right? And I and I, you know, and it's that's the thing is that like we're all sort of in this together. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Toronto sports writers, every single one to a person that I've met, yeah. are great. They've yeah, been, I, they've been very helpful. Yeah, and and you know, I, I, I I'm not a fan anymore because I am trying to be a professional mm-hmm. reporter. But you know, you can't really separate that. I mean, sure, you're uh, a little more excited when the Leafs win, <laughs> right? You know, under underneath the table, pump. <laughs> Mike Mike has mastered something that uh, I've gotten pretty good at. Not mastered, but gotten really good. Is if I'm in the press box and in a mate like the Marlies or Leafs score an amazing goal, I just kind of go. Wow, that was really good. Holy shit, right? Um, like, wow. how, do be- <laughs> how do you become a Leafs fan in Buffalo? Um, okay, my father was a history teacher, wasn't particularly into sports. I have an older brother who was 10 years old when the Leafs won in 67. I was in the crib at that point, so the only thing I was focusing on was sucking my thumb. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when he was growing up and he played high school hockey, I was sitting in front of the, the, the big council... Uh, watching Leaf games on uh, on CBC, and we had the antenna on the top of the house, and had the number list, you know, uh, marked on the little thing that turned the antenna. Turn the antenna. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we could get we get CBC or CHCH from Hamilton, so I could get games during the week. So you know, I, I sort of you know, I was five six years old when I started watching. I remember watching the seventy two Summit Series, you know, and I was I was like I said, I was five. Um, and I watched the early '70s Leafs, and I, you know, when you're young, you don't associate yourself with 
a team, you probably associate yourself with players. And I, I, I loved Sittler. I loved uh, my brother's favorite player was Normie Allman. Uh, Gilbert Perot in Buffalo was, uh, you know, I mean, you think Tarasenko is exciting. Watch film of, of Gilbert Perot standing behind the net and then going through all five guys to score a goal. I mean, he did that multiple times. He was a phenomenal player who didn't, I don't think, got as much respect as he de- as he deserved. But yeah, I, I just I became a Leaf fan because my brother was a Leaf fan, and um, it's funny because he moved away for uh, about eighteen months in the late seventies. Uh, he was trying to be an air traffic controller, uh, and he was living in in Utah. And he would call me like once every little while to get an update. You know, I was like, you know, well, uh, the, the the Leafs drafted this guy, you know, like during the summer who they drafted, or like, during the week, during the the season how they were playing, and. I was I was giving him providing him the information because he couldn't get the hockey news out there for some reason, so that sort of gave me the entree of like being you know giving an opinion and giving out information, and I sort of took that uh, you know it, that made me want to go down the road of being either a commentator or you know my my dream was to be the play by play announcer for either the Leafs or the Sabers. But you know, like 1988, I go to school for for a communications degree. I go to Buffalo State College. I go to for a communications degree, and uh, my dream was to be the next Joe Bowen or the next Rick Jenneret. Well, 30 years later, they're still in their jobs. So yeah. if I was if I would have gone down that road, <laughs> I would have been still waiting. Um, and I sort of got deviated from that path because I was in a communications class in front of 120 people and they asked me to read something off and I'm like, I was like, I had like acute stage fright and I'm like, okay, this isn't going to work. So I changed my major to history. Hmm. I hate reading out loud. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the thing is that at Puck Talks, I mean, I had no problem talking in front of people, but the lights were down. It was like, we were talking to each other. We weren't talking to the hundred people who were out there. We heard them react, but- I actually, I uh, I should probably get over this at some point, but whenever I do puck talks... Steve, I need in- you to get a little... little sorry. Mic, sorry. Well, whenever we do puck talks, I intentionally take my glasses off so I can't ah. see anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. No, that's that's smart. <laughs> it that's, helps. That's smart. But yeah, I mean, but I... I uh, in terms of the in terms of the Leafs, though, I mean, I you know, at a certain point, um, I had to make a decision as a, as a fan, like most fans do, like, do you root for your hometown team that all your friends root for, or do you root the team, root for the team that you really like? And my turning point with the, with Leafs and Sabres was Scotty Bowman coming to, coming to Buffalo. You got to remember Bowman went to a cup final or won a Stanley cup with every organization except the Sabres. He he got to the finals with St. Louis. He won cups in Montreal. After Buffalo, he went to Pittsburgh. He won. He went to Detroit and won. He was even an advisor with the Blackhawks and won. He comes to Buffalo. He has complete autonomy and starts trading away a lot of their, you know, Rick Martin, Jim Schoenfeld, all these guys. And in the span of, I think, six years, the team went from a contender down to like a, a you know, team that couldn't make the playoffs. And I said... Screw it, I'm done. You know they they, they 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 and they had a couple of heartbreak you know heartbreaking playoff losses that were like Game Seven of 2013. They 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 lost Game Seven and I think 83 to Boston in Boston Garden. Brad Park scores an overtime winner. They lose. Then the two years later, they're leading five three in the third period of Game Five against Quebec, 
and a former Sabre, Andre Savard. No, it was Brent Ashton, Carter Ashton's dad, scored the game winner. <laughs> they lose, so they lose 6-5. And at that point, I'm like, screw this team. They're going to break my heart. Not knowing that, you know, for the next... The, the Sabres were so unlikable that you picked the Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, not In the 80s. The 80s yeah. Leafs. Like, yeah, man. Well, Harold Ballard at his absolute worst. Well, the, 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 the thing that brought me over was Wendell Clark. Wendell, oh. when, Wendell Clark is my favorite player. Um, and I had, a, I had the opportunity to be in a media scrum with Wendell and it was like, okay, I, I'm not going to say anything because I'm probably just going to go blah, 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 blah. You know, <laughs> I just, you know, I mean, I, I, I met him the year of the, uh, the, the full season, uh, lockout. Uh, the uh, six forty Jeff Merrick uh, and oh, had a, 506. Mm-hmm. oh five oh six thank you uh, they brought they brought a bunch of fans down to watch the AHL affiliate of the Leafs and the Saber uh, the the, the Roadrunners at the time no the no no it was I think it was the St John's Maple Leafs at that point. oh um, yeah I think okay. so and then that very was, shortly after yeah. no because the Roadrunners were Edmonton's farm team right yeah. but they played here yes. right right that, okay so they brought them down and you know th- they made this a big event they had the ice. Painted blue. It was. I don't know. They were. I don't know. If they were experimenting with. Yeah. They were, for some reason, they had a blue tinted ice. It was weird. At least it wasn't the puck. That sounds yeah. like '90s hockey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and and uh, and uh, they brought a group of fans down at to Pearl Street, and Wendell Clark was there, and I brought uh, my Wendell Clark jersey. You know, I, I'm the same age as Wendell Clark. That's a thing. But it's he's a <laughs> hockey player. He's you know he's on Mount Olympus when it came to me because of the way he played. And I just you know I mean, I can have I have no problem like talking or asking a question to Austin Matthews or you know I I've bumped into players who I've se- who I saw play when I was 12 years old like Mike Felino who's a scout. I've seen him at at uh, Rico and I have no problem saying hi and how's it going. Wendell Clark. Comes in, I'm an 18 year old kid, and I'm babbling. I just can't, I can't get over it. So, and you could not, like, he could not be a more unassuming, easygoing guy. No, it's, no. He's, like, he's a great guy. Every time I've met him, I'm like, man, you are just awesome. Now, <laughs> I, I know Steve was in was in the uh, in the locker room at this point for the Centennial Classic. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure I didn't trip over something and make a complete ass of myself because you walk oh. in this room <laughs> and, you know... And, yeah, the thing you would have tripped over was my tongue because yeah. I was interviewing Felix Potvin. Yeah. So, I mean, John, the was, floor. It, it was... That was we- the same way. It was Wendell <laughs> sitting next to Austin Matthews. It was... Doug Gilmore sitting next to Mitch Marner. Oh, you went to that one. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. wish I went before, to that one before 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 the uh, the old timers game. Yeah. Um, and uh, th- this was the perfect matchup. Ally Afraidy sitting next to Jake Gardner. That was that was perfect because you talk about like uh, I'd say talent, superior talent, and lack of hockey IQ. That's the perfect matchup. <laughs> Um, Unpopular opinion, <laughs> yes, but the one we often share. Yes, but I mean, but to, to be in that to be in that room with you know Tucker and Domi and all these, I mean, it's just like okay, I'm I'm just going to I'll ask a few questions, but I'm just going to like drink this in because it's like these are all the guys that I root for or had rooted for in the past, and it was just such a cool place to be at that point. I'm glad you did that. I. I, it becomes too much like a movie to me. Mm-hmm. It's all these people I've seen on TV my entire life, and they're all there at once. Yes. Like, this isn't randomly, oh, Dave Anderchuk's in line for coffee at yeah. the same Tim's. So I'm going to go say hi. Like, this isn't, uh, you know, an accidental running into. This is every... Imagine if the main character from every cartoon you ever watched <laughs> somehow showed up and they were in the same room. Yeah. I just... I just 
go, oh, that's Dave Anderchuk. Can I just yeah. talk to him? Okay, that's done. Oh, here's Brian McCabe. And then when I walk out, I go, oh, okay, okay, that was pretty neat. That was pretty neat. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't I didn't drink it in until after I'm looking at the footage. I'm like, that's pretty silly. You never do. That's and pretty silly. Yeah, I'm sure it came, went for both of you. I'm sure it went like was like a blur. Like you kind of go mm-hmm. in and then all of a sudden you're leaving the door like, wow, that's that all happened. That all just mm-hmm. happened and it's just fast, right? Yeah. So let's talk about what we have now because we, you know, Mike, we, what I noticed at Puck Talks, uh, it was you and Steven Scott Wheeler on stage. Mm-hmm. There is a, your point of view is not is not dissimilar to ours, but it's also not exactly the same. Right. You have a, a a point of view that is a little bit more of, you know, we, we love the analytical approach. Sure. We, we, are, we recognize, though, that it's not the only approach. Mm-hmm. And yours is a little bit more, and I, I, I hate to say old school, but it's a little bit more traditional in the sense that sure. you're, you're looking at what you're seeing, right? right? Um, but you're not discounting what the numbers are saying as well. No, I, 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 there's value in numbers. I mm-hmm. just don't think, you cannot be a slave to numbers. I mean, Go and I'm, I'll, I'll be brief on this. Going back to my youth, one of the things that made me more more of a, a, a having a wide breadth of knowledge about hockey was playing a game called Stratomatic. And Stratomatic, it was a board game back then. I now, it. Yeah, now now, it. now it's a, now it's a computer game. And basically, what they what they would do is they would they would uh, give an offensive a defensive rating. Um, and, uh, you know, a dice roll for, for a shot and like a guy like, you know, Gretzky scoring 92 goals. And if you try to, if you do a roll, every, everything on the, on the column is a goal or a, a goalie rating or something like that. But it, it would, you know, not to get to the particulars of the, of the, of the game, but it, it, it took a sort of prehistoric analytical approach. It used shots on goal for offensive rating. It used shooting percentage to determine the quality of the player's shot. At that point, they, they used sort of just like eyeballing for, you know, they had representatives in every NHL city and they would, they would do the defensive ratings. But I learned, you know, I mean, it was easy to learn about the Sabres because they were in Buffalo or the Leafs because I saw them on TV. You know, I learned about guys like Charlie Simmer and Marcel Dion in Los Angeles or Thomas Gradine in Vancouver based on their stats and based on uh, the cards and how we were playing. So I, I learned and I, I still have a respect for analytics, but and obviously it's much more advanced today, but I think that the problem is that people get too close-minded on one thing. I'm trying not to be too close-minded on something other than just what I see. But I think that there are people on the other side that get too close-minded about, okay, it's all in the numbers. It's not all in the numbers because somebody can have great numbers and be a crap player. And I think I've seen too many too many instances of that. Fair enough. Yeah. 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 Well, and another thing, like, uh, of the people who maybe hold more traditional views, I like listening to you more because we, we debate and talk without it ever being an argument. Yeah. You're never an asshole. Like you're never just like, what? That's ridiculous yeah. that you believe that. Well, because I, because, because my point of view, when it comes to anything, you know, when it came and I'm not getting into politics, but when it comes to politics or when it comes to sports is you can d- agree to disagree, but I want to hear the other side yeah. because I can learn more about it. Well, and, and I, I you know, there's a, there's a lost art of argument of the argument, which is you present yours. I present mine. Audience makes their their call, but it doesn't get personal. Right, and well, and that's that's the thing that I think we need to get back to is that you know it's it doesn't have to be a character assassination or mm-hmm. a hit piece. It's just I have this viewpoint, and here's why. 
Yeah. And you have that, and here's why. And the other thing about an argument is you don't need to be right at the end of it. Right. I mean, how great would it be if you were wrong and you figured out you were wrong? And you learned. And you learned. All an argument is is you're presenting information you know uh, and someone else is presenting the information they know. Yeah. If you decide at the end of it, you know what? Their information's better. Yeah. What a great thing. You just learned yeah. something. Yeah. Well, but then you've changed your mind. You're That's a flip flopper yeah. at that That's point, fine. Steve. You have oh, no, oh, no. I don't understand flip flop yeah. shaming. Is that a thing? <laughs> yes. That is a thing. Well, yes, it is. To, well, I say it's all fooey. How about that? <laughs> wow. You have no core. That's a yeah. You, you have no. You have no belief system. If you get come off of your, you know, whatever. How dare you learn something? Yeah. How dare you? Um, okay. I have some views on Santa Claus I would like to share with you. <laughs> so, um, yesterday, or a couple days ago, I guess, um, Babs and uh, uh, Lou Lamorello, Kyle Dubas, they're all at the, the tournament going on right now. Right. And forgive me, I can't remember what double IHFC thing. The World Junior Summer Showcase is the title of the... Yeah. Right. So Babs, is, they're, they're all being interviewed, and yeah. a couple quotes that came out of it that are very, very interesting. I'll get to Lou's in a second, but yeah. first, Mike Babcock says, we needed to find a defensive partner for Morgan Riley, yeah. and it appears Ron Hainsey is the guy. <sighs> Boy. I mean, uh, I don't know how down with that I am, but... Yeah. So, so is it is Ron Hainsey the guy that's supposed to let Morgan Riley be Morgan Riley, and that's why he's a steady stay-at-home defense? Because he is... Yeah. Average. He's average. Yes. Average. Maybe even slightly below in certain metrics. By certain <laughs> me- it, but does he let Morgan Riley just go and be Morgan Riley and the best Morgan Riley that Morgan Riley can be? And that's a good thing. Well, I mean, I, I have yet to see evidence that Mike Babcock is going to allow Morgan Riley to be Morgan Riley. I hope that eventually he will, because he's a plus offensive player. You need to let him carry the puck and create, because I think that's that that will optimize his va- his value as as a player. And when I saw Ron Hainsey be you know signed and they lose Hunwick and they bring in Hainsey, I'm like, okay, that's a good bottom pairing ad. You know, that you know, he now I know that he played top 4 minutes in Pittsburgh, but he played it because they didn't have anybody else. They didn't have anybody else. <laughs> it's also worth mentioning that even though the Penguins won, they did get their teeth kicked in. Yeah. yeah. Like like in terms of uh, shots and all that, Ron Hainsey was a five six with Carolina. They were pl- they were playing Pesci and Slavin and and Falk and Hannafin. Hainsey was on the bottom pairing and killing penalties. So to expect and right now, I mean maybe they're saying this because they really have no other choice. They have nobody. You know, if they put Zaitsev with Riley, then who do you put with Gardner? Well, you could, you go left, right, you put Carrick there. Then you got, then you're paying three million bucks for a bottom pairing defenseman. I, I just don't, I don't think the fit's there. First of all, he's a left, a left shot playing right D. And I, and then, and that's something we know that Babcock doesn't like, but really there's no other, there's no option in the system. All these young guys, uh, Dermot's a lefty. Rosen, uh, uh, Borgman—they're all lefties. Uh, so is Andrew Nielsen, but I—I I, I don't think you know. So, and it's not going to be Alexi Marchenko playing a top pairing. Yeah, and they have a couple guys who play right but are left. Right, like Valiev right. is one. Well, the first thing I thought when I saw those uh, pairings was, oh, this is out of order. Like, because the second I saw it, the Gardner Zaitsev pairing, I'm like, there's your top pair, and then Riley Riley Hainsey can be like your "Quote unquote shutdown pair because like that's sort of how Riley was used yeah. during the playoffs, especially when when you see the minute minute breakdown. If if he sticks with this, Riley's going to be playing twenty six, twenty seven minutes a night probably, and Hainsey 
will probably play. That's a, that's the thing. Maybe maybe they'll sub in somebody else, and Hainsey will play more penalty killing. But I would think if they're going to go with this, they're going to go with this as a tandem that they keep together. And I don't know. I don't want Ron Hainsey playing 26 minutes. He's a fine player. I have nothing against him. I think it was a good signing, but I thought it was a signing to replace Hunwick. Hunwick and and Hunwick, who got the third year in Pittsburgh, right? Which well, we didn't want to give Hainsey. Yeah, that's I, you know. I mean, yeah. Matt Hunwick. Matt Hunwick is a fine player. He's a bottom pairing guy. He I, I, grew I'm, on me. Yeah, he grew on me. You know, I, I I didn't have a real big problem with him. Let's just say this: I would have rather had Matt Hunwick in the lineup than Martin Marinson. <laughs> you, uh, it Martin depends on, <laughs> Yeah, we were talking about this before the show. Did he like hurt you? No, 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 no. no and and th- this maybe this is a flaw in my character, but I I've always ever ever even going back to when I was a caller to to Leaf Talk, I've always zeroed in on one player who is so bad that I just I must destroy him. It used to be it used to be Corey Cross. Uh, Anders uh, Anders Eriksson, Yurke Lume, Aki Berg. Uh, Aki, oh, Aki Berg was the was the He was, was terrible though. Yeah, uh. and uh, well I don't Marinson is horrific. He's not a, he's just I mean, okay, he's for but, his son. But Mike, the numbers. <laughs> oh yeah, the numbers. Well, and, and and see and this is where and this is where I've gotten into arguments with with uh people on on social Social media, and I try not. I try to keep things civil. And if they start going, if it starts going negative, I'll just like you know whatever. Just stop, right? Yeah. And I, I'm not going to say the name of the person, but I made I made an assertion regarding Jake Gardner, and I said that this year was the first year that I could say that Jake Gardner was a complete defenseman. He had a really good year. He was responsible defensively. I think Babcock had a really good effect on him. Very good year. Very very good year. Before that, he was a liability, and I said that on on social media. And somebody and somebody, came, oh, you know, talking about uh, knuckle cor- dragger, cor- cor- yeah. Yeah, Corsi four PDL. Like, I, I think I might know who that might be. Yeah. Just I don't have no, I did not see this exchange, yeah. but I have a. I, I'm assuming you know? I know. Like yeah. it could be like nineteen thousand people. I have a feeling. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll share it. We'll share it after. But you know, he's like. I have no. I can't respond to somebody who doesn't think that Jake Gardner is a good defenseman. I'm well, like, but so well, you didn't you say just that. Shut yourself you off. Just, you didn't say yeah, that. Right. You just said he was a complete, more complete defenseman. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean I, I, and and you know what? Jake Gardner was a liability. I talk about Jake Gardner and Martin Marinson the same way, except Jake Gardner does things that make yes. me forgive him. Yes. Whereas Marinson often does not. But he. Okay, I'll just say what I said before the show. He reminds me of me. As a defenseman playing... Marinson, this is. Yes, Marinson, playing um, uh, defense uh, online in EASHL. When you're in a, div, a division just above your skill yeah. level. Yeah, oh, when I'm playing against a computer, I'm an offensive yeah. defenseman. I'm scoring goals, I'm left or I'm not <laughs> passing the puck, screw all that. When I'm online, I suck, so I have no offense whatsoever. All I'm doing is poking the puck, poking <laughs> the puck, and I'm really steady defensively. Uh, I'll always be back. And twice a game, I just go, here you go, and give away the puck, and it's a goal. See, right. I, I, well, That's Marinson. My, my, Solid, dependable, except for when he's not. My 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 comparison is that the that everybody else on the ice is playing as if they were on Rogers Cable, <laughs> and Martin Marinson is on a dial-up. He's oh. that slow. He's that, I mean... He, <laughs> But and, he's got a he's got a big wingspan. I think people yes. like that. And you know the thing with Martin Marinson too. So is, there's a condor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's lots I, of things. I also think Rogers Cable is really fast. And I, everyone I, should get it. It's you know? reliable. Yeah, you know what, what Mike makes a good point. It. Rogers products in general <laughs> are they are they're a st- they're a cut above. 
They're mm. the Austin Matthews of cable program. We should okay. all get a share share plan. Yep. Hey, uh, uh, share everything plan. Share everything. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, that yeah. is uh, all rights reserved, by the way. Um, yeah. No, I think. Uh, I. I mean, here's the thing with Marinson. What I love about it is that because we're Leaf fans, we're debating the Leafs seven eight guy. Right. And he is a seven eight guy. He played. He played. And and the thing was when he played the year before, the reason he played so much is they didn't have guys that they could sit for. You know. That long. Well, he was like a top pair. Yeah, he was a top pair guy because they had nobody else. But the fact that in one year, in one summer, he went from that to, well, we used him as a last resort in the playoffs because we had to. Yeah, may or may not even be in the lineup. To me, that sounds just progress. Well, I think that I actually think that Marinson and Marchenko are going to get the Josh Levo treatment this year because. They're you know they're the they're the locked locked in seven eight. If they carry eight defensemen, they'll carry Marinson and they'll carry Marchenko, but they may never play because. You say Dermot and Carrick are your bottom pairing. If if somebody gets hurt, they're going to call up Rosen or Borgman, Borgman. or you know, Dermot's not or Nielsen, or you know they're they're going to call them up to play rather than play Marinson and Marchenko, and they have the freedom to be able to call these guys up and send them back because they're all waiver exempt. They didn't have that that you know that Marchenko. Situ- Mar- Mar- no, Marchink- no, Marchinko and, and Marinson will sit. Oh, these kids. Borgman yeah. and Rosen. Oh, Borgman sorry, and sorry. Rosen and Dermot all can move back and forth, and they don't have to worry about waivers. Yeah. Well, that's that's why I think you're wrong on Marchenko. Like, I think they're just going to waive him. I think the, they're just going to – they got him because they were in a bind. Well, I wrote I wrote about this yesterday, and this is, the, this is the concern I have with the Marlies because you have to carve out ice time for these players to play regularly to, 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 to you know, get better. And if you look, and if they send down a Mar- Marchenko, that takes away once. I mean, right now they have Hall, mm-hmm. Valiev, um, Borgman, they, Rosen, Borgman, Rosen, Nielsen, Nielsen, Dermot, and possibly Liljegren. Yeah, and, and uh, Loverdi, and Loverdi, and Loverdi's the AHL veteran. So I mean, you're talking, you're talking eight defensemen there. I mean, you're going to want if if you send Liljegren to to the Marlies, you're going to want him to play 20 minutes a night. You're gonna, you know, you're not gonna be mm-hmm. sitting him out, and you make room, and you, you make, and you, you make room. play him twenty minutes, right? A night. You, right, exactly. You pay, you play Borgman and Rosen twenty minutes a night, or as much as you can, because they need to convert from that European Olympic ice surface to the North American. And we know that there's a little bit of a conversion time. A guy like Andreas Janssen, it took him like half a season with the Marlies before he really started to look like the player that people thought he was because he won the SHL Rookie of the Year. And the second half of the season with the Marlies, he was great and he was their best, I think their best forward in the playoffs. Oh yeah. Grunstrom was really good too. And Grunstrom. He he didn't need a learning curve. He didn't have a learning curve. and And on the wings too because they have a ton of wingers. So they they, they managing ice time is going to be a big thing for Sheldon Keith because I think that they need to, you know, give them enough time. And and you can't ignore a guy like like in Neil. I mean, Nielsen scored thirty nine points last year. He all in all had a pretty good season. He struggled in the playoffs, but you want to keep developing developing that guy. He's got a booming shot. I think he's an NHL defenseman, maybe with another year of, of of AHL experience. But you can't ignore him and say, "Okay, here comes those these three Swedish kids. We got to put them in there." No, you you, you don't want to lose him, but somebody's going to have to sit. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is such like uh, 
two years ago, yeah. we didn't have a, a surplus problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this, Guys, this is pretty good. who's going to get the ice test? Like, like that, that, it <laughs> yeah. would be like, who, who is this player I've never heard of? Right? And that's, yeah. it was Renat Valiev and Victor Louv yeah. and, and guys that are not there anymore. And heading yeah. into last year, I was like, Hyman's not really going to make the Leafs, is he? Yeah. I thought he was good on the Marlies, but he's going to make the team out of camp? Yeah. Friggin'. Matthews wing from day one. <laughs> well, we like, might keep Martyr nine games and then send him down. Yes, you know, uh, I that was less than a year I, ago. I was one of the people that said, "Okay, I, I want to. I want. I was scared for him. It was like, okay, he's you know he's got that innate sense of being able to avoid physical confrontation, but will that take place in the NHL? And it was. I mean, he got hit once. Once, maybe twice. I mean, Probably the whole season. Really, oh, the whole season, you know, and and the one, the one where he got hurt was a fluke, right? It was a, exactly, but kind of trip, right? But you know, I mean, twenty twelve Calder Cup final, and the, the Marlies made the Calder Cup final. Their one of their top defensemen was Simon Geispers. I don't know if he's alive anymore. <laughs> where is Simon Geisberg? Yeah, right. so, yeah, so, but, but, yeah. Important he, information to know, though. Yeah. It is. <laughs> I, I think you're being sarcastic, but I'm not. He's an all-state agent now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's like Jim the Net Detective Carey. He's runs an insurance company. Dunder Mifflin or something, yeah. yeah. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm interested this year for for a few reasons. So, for the, the first thing... I guess that I wanted to talk about, you know, before, so I guess after Hainsey was Connor Brown. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get your thoughts on it because we've talked about a few different things, but what's been thrown around is that the Leafs are still looking to make a move. Yeah. And if you sign Connor Brown, yes. that's 50 contracts. Exactly. But if you make a, a one-for-one trade, one plus, and like, and it, like, let's say you're trying to make a trade and you need two contracts from the other team, mm-hmm. you can accommodate that if Connor Brown is not signed. Right. Right? So is that what's happening? What is Simon Geisberg doing? He plays for the, he plays in Germany for the Schwinnigan Wild Wings. Schwinnigan Wild? Schwinnigan. S- that sounds like Quebec, C-H-W-E-N-N-I-N-G-E-N. Wild Wings. And he had 20 points in 52 games. All right. Mm-hmm. He's doing well. Sorry. I, c- <laughs> I couldn't get past Wild Wings. I'm like, <laughs> okay, no. Conversation on hold. Sounds delicious, that team. Are they, um, are they barbecue or hot? Hey, their, exactly. their top scorer last year, Will Acton. Oh, wow. 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 I remember Will Acton. Yeah. I think yeah, others fans do, too. Where's where's Jerry D'Amigo? I mean, there's... You know, you're talking oh. about... Glad you asked, Mike. <laughs> you look that up, too. <laughs> okay, we're down, we're going down a rabbit hole. Yeah, here. sorry, let's sorry, not, please, sorry. Where, where, where were you? Um, so, so, Counter... I, I, okay, first of all, I, I agree with your assessment. I think... Not my assessment, by the way. Okay. Not my I agree assessment. with Adam's I agree, assessment. I agree with the, the with what is out there, and, I, and I've said it, I've written it, that I think... There is an agree- there is an agreement in principle sure. between the Leafs and Connor Brown that they're just right now, if they if they make him contract number fifty, you know then you're going to have like any if you want to offer somebody a PTO and you bring them in, you know then you you're you're being held hostage in a way because if you like you say they invite Cody Franzen or Dennis Weidman or some defenseman in there they want to take a look at him like they did with Henrik Talinder a couple years ago. They bring him in, they like him, they want to sign him. Oh, but we're at 50 contracts. So then all of a sudden we want to trade Eric Fair someplace. Oh, well, you need you need that space and 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 then the team, you know, holds you up for probably a higher draft pick than you, and know, you would need to. You would need to. So I, I think that's the reason why they're holding back. I mean, I talked. I mean, I, I was in the scrum with Connor Brown and with Lou 
at the uh, at the rookie development camp a few weeks ago, and neither one seemed concerned. To me, that that means they got something done. And the fact that Brown was there, right? He was, but he was working with the kids. It was it was a yeah, but like you know, sometimes you don't have a contract with the team. Yeah, maybe you play hardball, you don't go, sort of thing. I know it's the kids, but yeah, it's a, I, it's a business. Yeah, we always here. Um, yeah, it seems like they would have something done and ready to go. Now, if that's the case, mm-hmm. then. What are we looking at? And I'm at, I'm asking for both both of you guys. Is that is that the the big defenseman that everybody was hoping for at the beginning of the summer? Is that like what what does a move like that look like? I honestly I don't know. I've said this for a while. Like every team has their weaknesses, including Pittsburgh. Like their defense isn't wicked sure. on paper. Um, maybe it's better than the Leafs, I guess. But like it it doesn't jump off the page at you at all. Mm-hmm. It's not like Nashville's, for example, and then friggin' they beat Nashville. Um. Yeah, a guy like Cody Franzen on a PTO makes a lot of sense. It's funny you brought that up because I didn't even think of that factor. They can't even really do that with the promise of, yeah, you might make our team. Yeah, do you want another Brandon Press situation where he sits around for two months waiting for a spot to open up? I mean, yeah. I mean, if the player doesn't have a problem with it, I don't care. Yeah, but I, I don't see the thing is I don't see a viable situation out there in the league right now, except for maybe Colorado, and that that's a train wreck and a half right now, where they would have the room to do sort of a Michael Grabner type of four for one, five for one deal. New and Jersey got, doesn't really have any. New Jersey either. has like forty two contracts. I think I think Colorado is under forty. But the thing is, Florida too. Yeah, Florida too. But the but the thing is, is I don't know if there's four or five contracts that the Leafs really want to get rid of. I mean, it's not like a couple years ago where you know Carter Verhage and Matt Finn and right, Taylor yeah. Beck and well, not in the minors. Yeah. Certainly not in the minors, and that was the difference. They had all this fat in the minor leagues, right? But like now they got like Eric Fair, right? Marchenko, but we're talking about guys who make over a million bucks. Yeah, so it's a little bit maybe different. maybe a Tobias Lindbergh, somebody like maybe. that. You know, maybe a Justin Hall who's on the last year of a of an entry level deal. I, I think the organization likes. Yeah, him. I think they like him too. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they they really don't have a. I mean, they have Cascasuo. I don't think they're going to dump Garrett Sparks after they after they sign him to a two year contract. So I think he's the Leafs' backup goalie next year. Not this upcoming year, but next well, year. Well, his his groin problem, which is every other day he has a groin problem. If the I mean, freaking guy could just stay healthy. He should yeah. be the least backup this year. Yeah, this I mean, year. If he, he he had a he had a fantastic year uh, with the Marlies. He just couldn't stay healthy, and then they had to put uh, Bebo in there. And Bebo, I mean, that game, that St. Patrick's Day massacre at the ACC, where Bebo let in seven goals in the third period. One period. One period against a, sh- a completely shitty Binghamton team, and that was it. That was that was it. I mean, the they 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 only put him in again when they had absolutely no choice. After I think they had to pull Cascasuo in the playoffs, and they and he played against against Syracuse in one of the games because they were they were down big and they put they put Bebo in. But it was there was not even a hint that they were going to go after Sparks got hurt. Are we going to go with Bebo, who's played in the play? No, no, we're going with Cascasuo. Couldn't trust him. What anymore. a strange goalie! What yeah. a strange guy. I wish him well. In, I, in I, San Jose. I do too. I have nothing against him, but I mean, he didn't make any progress. He it's never... here, right? Like it's definitely think, in the yeah. head. I like, think it he's is. got, got the, the talent. Yeah. He's he has a he has a a little bit of a resume of stringing together good games. Yeah, being decent. His first year in the AHL was his best yeah. one. He's big. He's athletic. Um, and he, I've seen him be a good goalie. It's yeah. just he blows up. Like yeah. and not just has. A bit of a stinker of a game. He had a like, he had a stinker of a game in one period. Yeah. How do you allow seven goals in one period? 
Yeah. Yeah. They, I think they were I think they were up 5-1. They were in up like They were killing They them. were killing They them. were killing them. You know, Leipzig was all over the place. I mean, I, I can't remember the specific, but they were up five, they were like 5-1 and then boom 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 boom. It was just it was he couldn't stop. He couldn't stop anything. Maybe he'll be better in San I, 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 I hope I hope he plays well someplace else, but yeah. Play two games with the Leafs look great. Okay. <laughs> Well, this is this is great. I'm, I, you know, it's nice to talk about the Leafs again, like like really in depth, because it feels like it's been. I feel like I've been going through withdrawal, so this is nice. This mm. is really nice, uh, even just listening. Well, it's an uh, interesting part of the summer because we're no longer being like, oh, we'll just see what happens. Like now, we know, like decisions are coming in about a month. Well, and is there a move coming? Are we? Are we? Like, are they? Are they leaving the door open, or did they leave the door open on purpose? And that's there's a big difference there, right? Mm. And I, I can understand both. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a move coming where they they shore something up? or And I'm not talking about a five-for-one Grabner deal. No. I'm talking about an actual legitimate NHL defenseman. Or is it like, hey, you know what? We're good with the, what we have. We're going to play to our strengths, which is obviously our offense. Our defense is a year older. It will get better. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? Well, a few weeks ago, Larry Brooks in the New York Post reported about Bo, <laughs> about Bozak and and what was it? It was Corey. No, 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 Nick no. Holden. Nick, Nick Holden. Holden. Oh and, my God. And, and, uh, Why Nick Holden? Yeah, Nick. Okay, I've been told this by Rangers reporters and Rangers fans that Nick Holden. I mean, Nick Holden played top four minutes for them. He scored a career high. I think it was eleven goals. He had thirty-four points. He's on a cheap contract. He's right-handed. All those things. If you put them together, okay, yeah. He's a horrific defenseman. He's a bottom pairing guy at best. And being put, I mean, they weaned his minutes as the season went along to the point that I think he was maybe a four or five in the playoffs. You know, and a guy like Brady Shea, who's a young guy who I think was an all all rookie this year. He was year. great. He was great, and he and he he st- sort of stepped up. But he was it was like Elaine Vigneault's sort of favorite guy, and nobody could understand why because he's a, basically an average defenseman. And to get that in return for Bozak, who okay, you can have. You can be a critic of Bozak. He scored 55 points last year. He had a, he was really good. Third line center scored 55 third line, points. Third line center scored 55 points. Uh, you know, now we know that Marner was the center of that line in terms of generating the offense. But JVR's Bo- all right, too. But yeah. then JVR's <laughs> all right, too. But Bozak, you know, he was a, a big contributor. He's a good face-off guy. And the Rangers, I'm sure what's behind this is, you know, the Rangers, after losing Stepan, they need help up the middle. And Bozak sort of clicks all the buttons. But... There's nothing there with the Rangers that I think that, that would help the Leafs. I mean, Nick Holden would be a bottom would be a bottom pairing guy, and there was something apparently about uh, JVR, JVR them having interest in JVR. I'm like, okay, same problem. What are you going to get from them? Mm-hmm. Um, to my mind, the team and I have no rumors, you know, no info on this. I'm just looking at the way the teams are set up and and what makes sense. The team that I think the Leafs should or could deal with is Carolina because Carol, I mean, they've signed Slavin to a seven year extension. They just signed Pesci to a six year extension, both making over four, four million bucks. Uh, Falk is, is making almost 5 million for another three years. They've got Trevor Van Riemsdyk and Noah Hannafin as RFAs next summer. God, that's and, a pretty good core. Wow. And, and, and on top of that, they have a top 10 pick in, in Hayden Fleury and a top 15 pick in Jake Bean, who's going to make probably make the World Junior Team. So you got seven defensemen there. You've already signed two of them wow. to link the extensions. Now Hannafin next summer is going to expect to get long-term money, big-time money, 
And unless you want a Jacob Truba situation where they offer him a bridge deal and he gets pissed off, I think Carolina needs to probably needs to, to trade one of those defensemen. And the one thing I think keeping Carolina out of the playoffs is they need a bona fide score. They need to add to Stahl and Skinner and Aho, and they added Justin Williams, but I think they need one more guy and a and a, you know, maybe not Bozak, but. A JVR with his brother there as a defenseman sure looks good, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it, yeah. right. And you know, I'm not saying Hannafin because Hannafin was a top five pick, but it would have to be probably more in that deal. But I would well, not evidently sh- his stock has fallen. Yeah, from what I'm reading, it's like you know he well, it doesn't get much higher than fifth overall. Yeah, pick. right. But I think I think that he, I think that maybe they were expecting more from him than what he is. What his skill set would have offered. He, he was never supposed to be an offensive juggernaut. No, he, he, I th- he yeah. made the NHL as an 18 year old. You know, it's like you can't, you can't, I mean, you can't suck if you do that. I mean, you know, you can rush somebody, but they didn't like, they didn't do a Luke Shen and put him on the top pairing and burn him out at age 19 and put all these expectations on him. And who was legitimately the Leafs best player that year. Yeah. 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 I mean, he, he, I think he had 25 points last year and he wasn't playing top pairing minutes. He's a big kid. He's, he's, he's got really good skating ability. You know, he's got offensive instincts, but he's not, he's not Falk. He's not Gostaspir. He's, he is what he is, but. I know that Babcock liked him. We, we've all heard the story about Babcock saying that I would rather have, you know, draft a man. Him. Right. Wasn't it? Yeah. You know, so that story is just out there, eh? Yeah. It's, okay. I mean, I don't, you see, heard it, that months ago. It, and I was could, like, I don't know. it could be urban myth. I don't know. I can't, I have no way of verifying it. But I mean, I heard that. Well, I you heard, and I heard it from different people. Right. So I think it's true. Yeah. So, and uh, we know, we know there was proof. Uh, there was video proof. If you look at, I think it was the Blue Jackets. They did the the, the sort of like on the draft floor type of thing. Uh, oh, that's for, right. Yeah, where Yarmo Kekalainen gets a call from either Dubis or Hunter, and they were the Leafs were at four, and the Leafs offered to trade down to eight, where they took Warinsky if Columbus gave them, I think their three second round picks. Because because Columbus wow. <laughs> Columbus supposedly wanted and and Kekalainen didn't like laugh it off. He thought about it for a second and then decided to, you know, stick where he did. And you know he got Warinsky, but okay. I mean, if if they wanted Hannafin, if like Hannafin was the guy, that was probably the price they were going to have to pay to to move up to four. They never did it, but I mean, I think the Leafs would have probably been happy if Hannafin had slipped to eight, or maybe maybe Marner slips to eight because there were the questions of his size. I mean, mm-hmm. it's all it's all. Or maybe they draft Warinsky, or, or draft Warinsky. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. yeah, it's a whole lot of what ifs. Yeah, well, and I I, crazy. I look at the team as it stands right now, and that's why I keep asking about is this is this supposed deal, is this something that they're working on, or is it something that. Um, they've just opened the door too. Because here's here's the quote that I thought and I enjoyed from Lou Lamorello. And okay. there's very few quotes from Lou Lamorello that really mean something. Mm-hmm. But what he, because he just talks, he talks around, and he's he's brilliant at it. And I love watching it. But Lou said, "We got a lot of prospects and almost no room." He did say that. I'm paraphrasing, uh... but he did say there's no room for him. He said so. It's going to be a really interesting camp to see who makes it and who doesn't. And it's like Hunger Games a little bit, which is good. You want that. You want some competitiveness. You want people to really earn their spot. But at the same time, that tells me, well... I see three things the Leafs can do. Three scenarios. One is they make some sort of trade like that with Carolina, where you you can always trade a player on your roster for a player on someone else's roster. That's always a factor. Number two is they just hope and pray they lose 
a guy like Fair or Marchenko to waivers, which you hope and pray, and you're not going to know until literally the season begins. Right. Option three, and like it's a, it's a, I want to see how long they stick to their guns on this. You got to give up a pick or something. You got to give up a pick or a prospect. And is to that get the out from worst under. thing right now? How Given much, how much would depth? you really need to give up to give a crap team Eric Fair and like what a fifth, a fourth, the fourth that you got along it's with fa- Fair? It's, it's Vegas. I mean, I, if you remember when the trade Maybe. when the trade was made, everybody thought they got Fair to you know it was that 70, 40. 70, 40 yeah, yeah. But it was also he was drafted in the first round by George McPhee. And like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe this this is a guy that we can trade to, you know, maybe he wants him, you know, he wants to bring some veterans in there and not be, you know, not get walked over in their first season. But then, you know, they pick Leipzig and nothing nothing happens. And now you've got Eric Fair on a $2 million contract, and I don't see a role for him. I mean, he, may, he, may, he might be the 13th forward. On Toronto or Vegas? On Toronto, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he might be the you know they could they could send him they could send him down to the Marlies, and I think now with the minimum contract going up to I think six hundred and fifty, they would save like a million one point oh two five million on the cap if they send him down to the minors. But they're more interested not in cap room but contracts. So I think they they would have to throw in a draft pick to 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 move out of fair. They would have to throw in a big draft pick to somebody for to, for somebody to take Joffrey Lupul's contract, right? And mm-hmm. I don't think they really want to do that because they want that extra cap space. I know that there's the consideration about the the whole bonus situation because right now they're getting I think it's a little over five million in bonuses from Matthews and Marner and all the other rookies, mm-hmm. and it's probably going to be the same next year if they hit all their numbers. So, you know. If they could clear the clear the cap space on on Lupul without giving up a first round pick, maybe they would do it. But I, you know, I don't see anybody with five five and a quarter million dollars willing to take Lupul mm-hmm. off their hands for anything less than a really good prospect or a draft pick. But you can find somebody who might take Marchenko. You can find somebody who might take Fair. Yeah, off um, Well, and I, I I also wonder is Vegas really going to go into the season with NA eleven NHL defensemen? No, but they. I mean they. Could very easily, you know, trade off one or two of them. Um, I mean, they're going to trade a bunch of players before the deadline. You know, it's going to be rental city. Mm-hmm. They've know? got like three non-Clarkson or Grabowski guys signed past this year. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And and it's like we said a few months ago. You know, should Vegas look at Eric Fair in a pick? They don't have to, <laughs> because right. at the end of the day, it might end up being Brendan Leipzig, Eric Fair, and, and a, a pick. pick. They could get three assets from the Leafs. Right, because haha, we're an expansion team. Eat it. But to to your Lamorello point, when I asked him a question about the status of the Leafs' defense at the development camp, he he said, "We are satisfied today, and I'll let you know later on when training camp has ended." So he didn't didn't really answer it. He's like, "Okay, so you know, are they are they waiting for Roman Polak to find out whether you know he's you know going to be up to speed?" I mean, I I don't know. I mean that that's. You know Babcock liked him. <laughs> Waiting to see if Roman Polak is up to slow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but you you know he was liked in the locker room. You know Babcock likes him. You know he was tr- he was trusted. They put him. They elevated him during the playoffs because he was a more veteran guy. I mean Connor Carrick's ice time dropped. Polak's went precipitously. up precipitously. Precipitously. I yeah. think that is a pretty interesting factor because yeah. like Hainsey will get. Those top four minutes consistently. Yeah. If Carrick doesn't take a step forward, if he does, 
And if you follow him on Instagram, holy crap. Is he working out? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Connor Carrick makes me feel like a lazy piece of shit. He is, he's, he's a gronk. He's been working out with Dickie Clune. That's how Friggin'. professional athletes should make you feel. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's what you want to see. Yeah. yeah. I my would favorite, hope Did you see the other day when Kadri was doing oh, half yeah. squats? Yeah. And everyone's and like, like, those aren't proper squats. Your range, your range of motion's brutal, dog. Okay. All of you fake fitness trainers on Instagram, <laughs> sit the fuck down. <laughs> yeah, you definitely know more than the guy making four and a half mil. Yeah. Oh, no. You scored 30 goals. Who's surrounded by professional trainers, nutritionists, and doctors all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah. no, no. You, you trust me. No, no. Tell, tell Nazem. What Godfrey. do you mean there's more than one kind of squat? <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, Nazem, you need to eat more quinoa. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Um, it's quinoa, Mike. You in Buffalo? Sorry. Oh. Oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. I'll be right back. Um, it's okay. Steve's gonna leave for a second. This brings us. I, I want to talk about Lilligren. Okay. Because to me, and I, I, I defended my point online. I've defended my point on this show. To mm-hmm. me, Lilligren stays because you, you want him in. The, not only is he good enough as it is. Mm-hmm. But we don't know what Rogel's going to be. There are no, we, as we know, there's no trades in the SHL. There are right. transfer agreements, but there's right. no trades. Um, and if you can have him acclimatized to the city mm-hmm. around the video coaching, because we know that the Marlies have, I mean, Justin Bourne, who just went to the Athletic, yeah. was the video coach for the Marlies, mm-hmm. right? We know there's video coaches. We know there's nutritionists. You know there's the right trainers, Barb Underhill. All of that is available to him here. Right. Does that not make it a more stable environment than the wild card, which is Rogel, which is part of the reason, you know, obviously Mono played into it, but let's not forget that he was on like five different teams last year. Yeah, I asked Mark Hunter at the draft about that, and I says, you're, I'm assuming you're looking for a more stable situation for Lilligren going forward, and he says, yeah, I mean, if it's, we're, we're comfortable that that would be the case in the SHL, but, you know, and then he didn't go any further, but I think that they want to have some hands-on control of him. He's an important asset for this team. I mean, a right-shot defenseman with the mobility that he has. And, I mean, you could see Babcock and Lamorello looking at each other at the, uh, if you saw the the coverage, looking at each other when Lilligren's skating around. It's like, wow, this guy's pretty good. I mean, you know, I can't read lips or anything. But, I, you know, Lamorello said at the development camp, Sweden or the Marlies. I think he said that on purpose based on the way he looked there, based on the way he looked at the summer showcase. I don't think they're putting any limitations on him. I don't think, you know, it's not likely that he makes the Leafs as an 18 year old, but I don't think that they're ruling out the possibility. He goes to training camp and he looks pretty good. I think there's a decent chance that he could make the leap because think of it. He's a right hand shot defenseman. He's a, he's got that not too much too soon. It might be, but but I, I think I think that you know they'll be they'll be careful and they'll be very conscious of that. I mean, but already I mean we've seen them throw rookies if they think they can handle it into the fire. And this is got to remember this guy was ranked as the top European prospect from NHL Central Scouting going at this time last year. The the, the mono ruined him. Um, he couldn't. He couldn't go to the World Junior. He wants to go to the World Junior badly this year, and I think even if he plays, you know, if he plays with Rogel, he'll definitely go. If he plays with the Marlies, they may be, let him go. They may play that cat and mouse game like they did with Nealander and Kapanen, but they'll eventually let him go because he, I think he wants to, and it's down the road in Buffalo. But if he's if he makes the Leafs, probably probably not. So they're not going to rush him. They're not going to push him. But I think that 
there's enough there, and he's got that kind of level of talent that if he surprises them, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I agree. Well, <laughs> what Mike just said, and what you Sorry. might want to just miss, is Mike said, listen, if, if he's good enough at, at a camp, oh, he, may, he may just make the team. Mrs. Lilligren. Yeah. You're talking about. And See? I didn't miss anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I wonder about, I wonder with Lilligren, too, you know, he is going to miss the, the start of the SHL season. Right. We already know that. So if he's already here, yeah, and they can make room for him, mm-hmm. and they're and they're weak up the right side as it is, mm-hmm. I like the Marlies are even weak up the right side. Mm-hmm. You know they don't have, I mean they have Rosenborgman, uh, and like those guys are all lefty. Andrew Nielsen's a lefty, is he not? Yeah, but the yes, Justin Hall's their only real right-hander. So, yeah, and Laverty's Le- 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 a righty. Laverty's a righty. But but this so the, there's a little insurance. But here's but here's the concern. If 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 what I just said sort of plays out, okay, who do you play him with? Riley is primarily, I mean, he's he's improved dramatically defensively, but he's primarily an offensive defenseman. He's a puck rusher. Um, you know, I, I think he's more than that, but, I, you know, defense is not the strong suit of his game. He's def- def- definitely a plus offensive player. Jake Gardner is Jake Gardner. I think Riley's getting... Strong. I, There's I think, been some really interesting stuff written about Riley. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I think I, I think what Babcock has done with Riley has been good for him in terms of rounding out his game. He's more of a two-way player than I ever thought he was going to be, and I think he's getting to the point now where you know he fits in that 25, 26, 27-minute-a-night situation because he can play defensively. He can clear people in front of the net, but... Deceptive strength. Deceptive, yeah, right. really. Yeah, really yeah. Deceptive you wouldn't strength. think of him as a strong guy, but he is. Yeah, he's he thick. Is. He's... With two C's, yeah. But ideally, if if <laughs> ideally <laughs> if if Liljegren wants to make if 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 they think Liljegren is ready to play in the NHL, they would more than likely want to pair him with a veteran defenseman who could cover up. But okay, Ron Hainsey, Ron Hainsey, left-handed shot, right. Ron Hainsey. Yes, yes, that that's <laughs> exactly. But does he really leapfrog a guy a guy like Travis Dermott at eighteen? I mean, if he, is he that good? And I guess they'll find out. What a wicked right. problem. I, it's a wicked problem. To have. <laughs> I love it. And you know what? Well, I, it would be really nice if Connor Carrick took a step forward and could play with Morgan Riley. Because to me, there's a if 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 he takes a step yeah. forward, then he lets Morgan Riley be Morgan Riley. Right. Well, and this is the really interesting thing is because the Leafs are in a very uh, really sticky cap situation. Let's say Lilligren does make the team. Yeah. And he's awesome. Yeah. Now you're looking at more bonuses. Yeah. Dermot is eight hundred and sixty-three something some, odd yeah. thousand. No bonuses. No bonuses. Not a single bonus. Yeah. If he makes the team, wicked. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, if Lilligren deserves to make the team, he'll make the team better. You worry about the cap situation later. Who right. cares? I think it might have to do with um, last year they got a real good lesson in the hype train. Yes. The Toronto hype train. You you couldn't possibly draft a guy at 17, no matter what the hype is, and mm-hmm. go, yep, and he's going to make the team. <laughs> He's right. gonna make the team. So they're lowering. They are yeah. purposely keeping the expectations. Oh, Lou low. made Lou Lou made sure at the development camp it was Marley's or Sweden. There was not even one peep of the Leafs, and I think that was done on purpose. And maybe maybe it's maybe that's exactly what he's saying. It's gonna be the Marleys. He's not gonna play here, or it's gonna be Rogel. But they could they could they and and they there could be a sort of a playing it uh, down the middle situation like they did with Nylander. Let him go to Rogel until. The World Junior. Then let him let him play in the World Junior, and then in January you bring him to the Marlies. Yeah. Which once, they did, yeah. once injuries pile up, right? You invite him over, right? So I mean, they they have they have flexibility to do a number of things, but I'm just saying the way you know, they they were salivating over the talent of this kid. 
uh, at at the development camp, and you know they were effusive in their praise of him. And I and I and I, I see it. I mean, I, he 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 can really skate. He's got that innate sense. He's got that vision on the ice. But you know, defensively, he he probably needs work, and he needs to get stronger. Mm-hmm. And I think that will happen more and quicker if he plays with the Marlies than it would be in Sweden. But I, like I said, I don't discount the possibility that he could open eyes. He is 18, camp. and I understand yeah. him yeah. wanting to be close to home at 18. Yeah. I get that. A lot of people just accept when Lou Lamorello says something like, he's either going to play in Sweden or with the Marlies. But immediately I'm like, if he plays with the Marlies, yes. that means he might play for the Leafs. Yes. What if three guys get hurt? What if one guy gets hurt? Yeah. That's all it takes. Well, you can call him up whenever the hell you want. What if one guy sucks? Yeah, and what, <laughs> what I like about it is that if he is, if he is playing with the Marlies, you know, the Leafs are a top-down team now. Mm-hmm. He, if he's playing with the Marlies, that means he's playing the Leafs system, and I like that. Yes, yeah. You know, but the like, Leafs, I mean, and and, yeah. and and that's where I kind of think, okay, well, he's learning what the expectations at the next level will be. Yeah. So even if he plays three months with the Marlies, he at least will know whether or not he's able to deliver on those expectations. Will be a different story. Mm-hmm. He at least will know, here are the parameters, here are the expectations. We expect you to be here at this time and here at this time. Right. And I'm not talking about showing up for practice on time. I'm talking about where you are positioned on the ice, mm-hmm. what, what, what we want from you in terms of uh, offensive, defensive, everything. Yeah. He's going to be playing Leafs We're going to send you to the Zach Hyman school of being everyone's favorite. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Sheldon Keefe is the coach, right? right. And Sheldon yeah. Keefe's a great coach. Mm-hmm. And how many, how many times will Sheldon Keefe be asked if Lily Grin is here? Do you think he's ready for the NHL? I mean, no. I, it'll be that will be his it'll number be, one. It'll be every scrum, and you'll you'll you'll, you'll see like the flame in in the corner of his eye, just like <laughs> just boil, boiling up. Because he, I mean, you get that question asked constantly, and what can you say? It's just like look at him on the ice, watch his progress. They're not they're not going to rush him. He is eighteen. I, you know, I, I think that they're they're going to take the patient approach, but there is the there is a depth of talent there that I mean I think he's the I mean he will clearly be the most talented defenseman on the Marlies next year. Wow, ahead of Dermot, eh? Well, I think I, I think, I think Dur- Dermot's an NHL. I think Dermot's I think Dermot's on the be. bottom pairing with the Leafs. I think it's going to be hmm. Dermot and Carrick, and the only concern I have with that pairing is they're a little small. I mean, they're both very mobile. Um, yeah. And and Carrick is a Carrick is a feisty player. I mean, he's five ten and one hundred ninety pounds before the, all the uh, getting jacked up here. Yeah, um, but you know, he's but, another guy. But he's he doing it for likes on the ground. He's bro. such a prick. <laughs> but he, oh, he's our prick though. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> he's a he's total asshole to play against. He oh, doesn't yeah. he doesn't shy away. And there, I mean, there is room in the NHL now for that smaller defenseman. As long, you know, T- Tory Krug has proven that. You had Brandstrom, the kid uh, who was drafted by the by Vegas. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he was as impressive as, as Lilligren at this sh- summer showcase. So, you know, I think that there is room in the game for smaller defensemen, but you have, I mean, Dermot's not big. I think he's 5'11". He's not a shrimp. He's not a shrimp, but he's not... Uh, but He's he, not going to overwhelm you. He's not, right, us. and to have, to have both of them together... That might cause some problems matchup wise, but you know, I mean, ba- that is Babcock's problem, and that's yeah. why he makes the, the big bucks. Exactly. And that's what, and another reason why I think that Riley Hainsey thing. That's it, there's no way that's your top pair. Your top pair is Gardner Zaitsev. Yeah, and that's it, okay. It's okay that your best defenseman might be your second. It might be on your second pair. I do think my, Morgan Riley's their best defenseman. Some teams I do, do that. That's yes. okay. Um, yes. I wonder too. Um, you know, okay, so 
We're going into camp this year. Obviously, we've, we've talked a lot about Lilligren, but there are other guys, mm-hmm. Dermot, Bracco, among them. Right. Who do you think, and both of you, question for both of you, who do you think is going to be a guy that people, we're going into camp talking about Lilligren. Who are we going to come out of camp talking about? Hmm. That is pretty interesting. Um, it's you know it's an interesting little little factor that no one is really thinking all that much about. What if McElhaney totally sucks? <laughs> what if that's he not com- a big that's not a big stretch in my eyes. Well, yeah, not a big like, deal though. I mean, they send him I, down and they bring Garrett Sparks up, right? But then that is it. That's your bed that you've made. I suppose you can call McElhaney back up unless he gets swiped. Now um, you got Sparks and no one. Yeah. You know, so so that's pretty interesting. But that's also a a big if. Like, McElhaney's, over his career, he hasn't been great, but no. he hasn't been absolutely brutal. But when he's had to play in, in Columbus two years, where Bobrovsky went down in November with either a groin or a knee injury, and McElhaney had to play, I think, more than 30 games Save percentage was like nine ten, nine oh five, you know, in that area. He had under five hundred records both times. One year Columbus made the playoffs, one year they missed. So, you know, you're you're praying to God you're putting Freddie Anderson in bubble wrap and hoping that he can play sixty five games. But because yep. if if, if McElhaney has to play you know if you lose your number one goaltender for the season, your season's over. Any, any NHL team, that's that's the reality. It's whether you can survive that four to six weeks. Whether the the knee injury, the groin injury, mm-hmm. if you can go 500 or a little above 500, then you you know, and that's the concern I have. They got McElhaney for I think it was 850, which is un- right. which is under you know they could they could bury him in the minors if they needed to, but look at all the backup goaltenders who I think were better goalies. You know, not it wasn't gonna be Bernier, but Bernier got you know two point seven five with uh, with Colorado, Oy. but but Ander, uh, Anders Nielsen with with Vancouver, mm-hmm. uh, Condon, and and, and, and and apparently they were trying to get Condon. They the, the, there were reports that the Leafs were trying to trying to bring him bring him here because he was basically the number one goalie for half for half the year with with the uh, with the Sens, mm-hmm. but. I don't know. I think they go on the market if McElhaney sucks. I think you know. It's I think it's a Jonas Enroth situation. I think, like let's say Freddie's out six weeks. It's McElhaney and Sparks splitting duty. I yes. think mm-hmm. because if you look at the, the contract that Sparks got, kind of made me feel like the plan is for him to be the backup two mm-hmm. years from now, full time. I think Casimir Kaskasuo may have something to say about that. I, he honestly, may. I I was very impressed with him in the in the playoffs last year. I mean, he comes in better than I thought. Yeah. Now he didn't have great numbers in the ECHL, but when he came up to the AHL, he played really well. He might be one of these guys where the the ECH, EC, ECHL he just couldn't handle it, or it was just goaltending statistics. Yeah. also are a little weird in the E and and that yeah. sort of thing They're too, low. right? Yeah. Like with the They're, OHL too. They're lower while yeah. junior is just it's just a, it's just it's a wild not west. a great it's crazy. place to uh we were were we together the other day and we were watching <laughs> we were watching highlights from some game I don't remember what it was and I just blurred out you know everyone's quiet I just blurred out I go junior goalies suck it was yeah the uh the Olympic trials or the yeah oh yeah or whatever yeah, yeah like and of course they're elite athletes and they're playing against their peers and it's about how you stack up next to your peers but it's it's funny how in the nhl goaltending is so like it seems to be so far ahead of 
offense that it's like killing the sport and we need to make the nets bigger and pads smaller yeah, you and all watch OHL, holy though. shit if you go down to junior they stink yeah they're bad it's gonna be very interesting to watch Pyong- watch the olympics in pyeongchang <laughs> and see ben scrivens versus joseph wall in goal because i think there's a possibility of that happening because scrivens could be the goaltender for canada because he's playing in the khl and the U.S. are going to go with a lot of NCAA guys. Yeah. Who's and the best Canadian goalie not on an NHL contract? <laughs> Carter Hutton. He's probably up there. Carter. Oh, my God. Yeah. Where I is mean, he? The, he, was, he was a backup in St. Louis, but he's unsigned. Right. Wow. So, um, but to your to your question, who was the surprise? Yeah, who, who's the guy? Because you guys got stuck on Curtis Magalene. I'm like, okay, last guy on the list that anybody <laughs> wants to hear about. Well, rather, rather than, you know. Let's, can we just talk positively? This is so. This is so you, Steve. Okay, is it is here's it just where, be positive? Here's where always we, positive about the Leafs. Jesse, am I right? Man's here's where it's no gonna wrong. go wrong. Yeah, it's like it's worst case scenario. It's All right, there fucking YouTube comment section. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, always, I'm either way too positive about the Leafs, or you know, you're they're, a homer. they're just a so, bum. Oh my god, um, one of those pom poms. Yeah. <laughs> but your surprise was literally. Hey, hey, here's what's gonna go wrong. What if yeah. McElhinney's back? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay, the my surprise would be like it'll get fucked. We're moving, everybody get fucked. <laughs> Season's They're holding the team. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> we're moving to we're moving to Hamilton, Seattle. I think the surprise will be um, two things. I think uh, Travis Dermott will surprise a lot of people because he was kind of hidden in all the Timothy Lilligren hype. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the I'm gonna go with the physical step forward that some players took. Marner's looking grunt. I like that whole thing last year where he, he the, his mission was to get up to 170, yes. and he still he didn't. He couldn't even get up to 170. I, I'm like, buddy, gaining weight's your problem. I need some of Mitch Marner's genes. Yeah, he can have any of mine. Like, holy <laughs> smoke! Yeah, yeah, it'd be great if you could just transfer weight to someone. At, at, at rookie development camp last year in Niagara Falls, he says, "Yeah, my goal is 170." Then in the opening of training camp, he says, my goal is to be the strongest guy that I possibly can be. So all of a sudden, the number... Number doesn't matter. He probably got to like 165 and probably realized he just couldn't drink any more protein shakes or whatever. Consuming 9,000 calories a day. The number, I believe, is 168. And what concerned me was like the season hadn't even begun. I'm like, oh, he's going to lose weight during the season. So like he, when you were seeing Mitch Marner like dangle people, hit people... He's probably flying around at a buck sixty-five, buck sixty. Yeah. Holy shit! But like, I don't know. Just a couple Instagram things I've seen. You know, he looks like he's at at very least one seventy. Connor mm-hmm. Carrick looks pretty gronked. Um, you know, Kadri's doing his friggin' cat leaps up on boxes. I mean, he's well, I mean, he's he, a little different because he's, he's older, and he also doesn't have the range of motion. Oh, I mean, you're if right. You ask Instagram, <laughs> lack of Connor, flexibility is yeah. going to be a big story. The, no, the, I, I, the thing I think, I think yeah. about Nazemi, he's just never in shape. <laughs> Yeah, like, get out of here. Um, okay, Dallas Aikens. Mike, same thing. Um, um, he did. Yeah, that is true. Okay, um, I I think the surprise and there's a lot of what ifs here. If a if a JVR deal goes down, what does that look like? Well, uh, well, let, I'm just we'll get to that. In a we'll second. get to that in a second. But if it if a JVR deal goes down, I, I'm not sure a guy like Levo steps in. I think a guy like Janssen steps in. He really played. I mean, he scored 20 goals in the AHL in his first year. He won SHL Rookie of the Year. He is. Didn't he score those 20 goals in like the last 35, 40 games? He had a real too? slow start. Yeah. One because of the Sweden thing. Yeah. But he also like 
basically missed last summer because of a catastrophic mm-hmm. concussion. Oh yeah, he got he got nailed by a, first a, by, a by an Albany uh, first or second by an Albany defenseman. He just got knocked silly. Dodging? No, no, it wasn't dodging. Was, um, yeah, I, I could find it, but it was trying a, to remember his name. He was suspended for ten games yeah. in Good. the playoffs and right. deservedly so. Well, that's yeah. two games. Yeah, so twenty <laughs> games. <laughs> NHL so, rules. <laughs> so uh, so assume that they trade JVR. Okay. You look at the left wing contingent right now. I mean, Marlowe would be your number one offensive left winger. Komarov is more of a checker. Hyman is more of a checker. They may keep Hyman with the Matthews line. You need a second offensive left winger. It's either Levo or Janssen. And I think it could be it could be Levo, but you know, but he he scored ten goal ten points in thirteen games. I mean, I think he's got. The size and the talent to do it, but there's something about Janssen. I think he he has that speed, and he's not big, but he I, I think he has NHL ability. And I think if he took that step last year, late in the season and in the playoffs, and that wasn't dominant, but it was really really good. And I can just see putting him with a guy like a Bozak or with Matthews that he could really he could really score dynamic offensive players. Yes, not captain. <sighs> Well, I was about to ask him about that. So yeah. you you have Kapanen, I assume, slotted fourth line right. I have Ka- I have Kapanen with the Marlies. What? Oh, wow. Okay, what? Okay, and not and not be not what? Be, break it down for me. And yeah. not and not be and not because he's not NHL ready, but they have so many wingers. I don't know how they make it work. I mean, right now, like I I if they don't make any trades and they go to camp with the team is as it is right now. Um, Matt Martin is going to be in the lineup. I, I, I you know, people, I know no people. Don't, yeah, I know, I know people don't like him, but Matt Martin is going to be in the lineup. But the question is, will he be in the lineup as a as a fourth line left winger or a fourth line right winger? He could play. He could move, or Hyman could move to the right side if they took him off of Matthews' line. But you've got JVR, Marlowe, Komarov, uh, Hyman, Levo. They're all left wingers. So uh, you know, and. He, on the right side, you know Marner, Nealander, Brown, the fourth line, the fourth. I, I, I don't see. I don't think. I don't think it's beneficial to Kapanen to play nine minutes. And we know how Babcock uses his four, fourth line. It's going to mm-hmm. be nine, ten minutes. I, I, you know, play him. Play him down with the Marlies. Play him fifteen, sixteen minutes a night. Play him on the power play. Give him all the opportunity. You know, so he, when someone inevitably does go down, yeah, I mean, I, I would expect Patrick Marlowe is going to, you know, at some point need to even just take a rest. Yeah, he right? hasn't missed a game. His Iron Man streak is longer than Kessel's. Yeah. Wow. So maybe he, not. Okay, I would expect that, that he doesn't in sports where somebody gets injured. I mean that happen. that interview you were talking about where yeah. where uh, you had your hand in your pocket. Yeah. That's when Marlowe's Iron Man streak started. Wow. Like, and, time ago, man. <laughs> and, and this, you know, this is minutia, but the interesting thing for what the Leafs will do is will they go 13 forwards, 8 defensemen, 2 goalies like they did last year or they go 14 forwards, 7 defensemen and yes. 2 goalies because because of the the factor where they can call up and send back down. I mean, they don't want to. Lo- they clearly do not want to lose Levo on waivers. They they kept him up all last season. They protected him in the expansion draft. They clearly know that he has value either in a trade or to be a guy who could step in. Um, but there are other forwards that you know. I, I it, you know it's a question of who you want is a 14th forward or do you value Marinson or Marchenko more? 
I would imagine, purely for cap reasons, you bury Marchenko, yeah. you bury uh, Fair, Fair, you keep very cheap Soshnikov, very cheap Levo, and cheaper than Marchenko and better than Marchenko Marinson. But this is the thing with Soshnikov. He didn't play the last part of last year. He didn't play at all in the in the Calder Cup playoffs when they did that uh, that clear day roster thing where they sent him down and right. called him back up. He has so he hasn't played since what February. So they it's probably uh, worthwhile, he, right? Mm-hmm. But he's he's waiver exempt still. I think you have to send him to the Marlies. You have to let him play. You cannot have him be your 14th forward and sit and sit in the press box. I love this. You'd rather you'd rather have a guy like Eric Fair, even though he's a two million dollar cap hit, or a guy like Levo who's making like six hundred and twelve thousand, whatever. Nothing. You know, have them be yeah. your 13th or 14th forward and. You know, sit up there. I mean, it sucks for Levo because I, I feel for him because I think he's got talent. I think if he goes someplace else and he plays a top nine role, he could score fifteen to twenty goals. He's I just in a, so. he's just in a situation here where, you know, if injuries happen, like he like he stepped in last year and he was, he was great. great. He really was. He was great. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's just I mean, for him, it's it's like a Frankie Corrado situation, but I, you know, I, I actually think Levo is a much better NHLer I, than Corrado. Yeah, I be. think Corrado, when he played, it was very clear that he mm-hmm. he wasn't good enough, at least to my mind. Yeah, but well, against and we Pittsburgh. talked about reasons for that. And... You know, his first game was against the Penguins. It was like, you know, gee, why, who cares? Trial by fire. Yeah, why don't you put him in against Gretzky and the Oilers? Yeah, for right. you know how we, when we <laughs> talk about drafting poorly and developing poorly. Is there anyone who would argue that Frank Corrado has had an excellent development? No, no, I don't think there come, is. Come on, um, come the hell on! Isn't this the kind of depth that wins championships? Isn't this the kind of depth where you're like, you like, as much as it sucks that Josh Levo played ten games last yeah. year, if you're saying we can sit a guy, we can confidently sit a guy yep. who is capable of scoring fifteen to twenty goals at, the, at his top end scoring, yes. right? You, if you were, if Josh Levo were playing this season with the Leafs, I would expect at least twelve goals. Mm-hmm. If you can sit a guy like that confidently, that's good, right? Well, I keep going back to, well, and yes, absolutely. But they played Levo on the power play, even when they like sort of barely even trust him, uh, trusted him to put him in the lineup because he's a killer shot. Soshnikov killed penalties and was occasionally on the power play. Yeah, Kapanen's both. Yeah, um, but yes, this is. I'm not saying the Leafs are going to win a cup. I'm not saying the Leafs are better than the Penguins. But this is vaguely what a championship team looks like. You know, there are. it's not perfect. No. It's not perfect. Backup is a question mark. You'd like their defense to be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But cup it's win- really good, though. But <laughs> cup-winning teams also manage their assets to the point where if you have a glut that you use that to address the areas of need. And that's been my my point with the, with the Leafs. You can put Ron Hainsey on your top pairing. doesn't mean it's a good move. I mean, he, mm. may, he may be adequate in that position, and it's a good stopgap, but it's really because they couldn't make something work during the offseason to get a Chris Tanev or... Uh, Travis Hamannick. Or Travis Hamannick. I mean, Travis, tra- I mean you, know, you know that JVR is on the block because... Everybody, I mean, it was at the draft. Everybody was saying JVR was offered in a Hammonick deal, and uh, you know they went the other direction. They went the other direction and took 
three draft picks, which is is a commentary on the Islanders and the fact that you know they're supposedly trying to keep John Tavares and they have a chance to get a winger who could play with John Tavares and probably score 40 goals if he was on Tavares's line and instead they go out and they get Eberle, who he played in the World Junior with. So I, I get that. That was a move. But they got rid of all this salary. They traded a first-round pick to get Grabowski's money off the off – the, and then what they do is they trade one of their best defensemen. So it's like one step forward, one step back. And they didn't make the move. And that's why Tavares is still out there right now. And Tavares could go the way of Stamkos and wait until the last minute to either sign with them or go someplace else. And do you want to get into that conversation? Because no, God. Well, Montreal, uh, to me, that's his likely landing spot. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, not Le- it's not the Leafs. Please, no. Um, Please, no. But, you know, like, I, I think with, with JVR, it's, it's you know, that's a wait and see. Uh, people are always like, trade, trade, trade yeah. him. I am okay with them just losing him to free agency, free agency life. I like if, JVR. If he, yeah. if he plays great, yeah. and if they go far, and you know that you've got the depth to cover it, and you never got the deal... You never got the deal worked out. I heard that somebody wasn't answering their phone at the draft. That's what I heard, too. And that's why that deal didn't happen. That's what I heard. I mean, I'm sure it's part of the reason it didn't happen. I'm sure there's fail-safes in place. Um, But, again, to talk about the difference between now and a couple years ago, a couple years ago we're talking about, like, there is no move to make. Right. Now, it's frustrating as fans and, you know, as – you know, just people trying to figure out what the hell's going on. It's frustrating to think of hypotheticals, but there's there are moves to be made. Yeah. So, like, you know, you're talking about asset management. They haven't done it yet, but, like, if we just – if we look at potential moves, there's so many options. Well, well and, and, sorry to interrupt you, Mike, but no, just a okay. second. If Lilligren does come in and impress, mm-hmm. like the way Mitch Marner did last year. And I know Mitch Marner spent a year in junior before coming to the Leafs. Right. Slightly. Let's just say he does. Mm-hmm. Does that not then put, you've got Carrick, you've got Zaitsev, and you've got Lilligren on the right side, mm-hmm. and that puts Hainsey in the spot. Like, let's say it's Lilligren and Dermott who are like, can't miss, have to make the team. Does that put Hainsey in the 6-7 spot, which where he should be? Yeah, and then somebody inevitably goes down for an injury, uh, or they they rotate guys out. So Dermot, Dermot, and Lilligren get rotated out, or something like I don't know what the right if, deal if is. Lil, if Lilligren makes the team, then probably Dermot doesn't, because then you move Hainsey over to the left side. You've got Gardner, Riley, Hainsey on the left. You're probably L- right. Lilligren, yeah. Lilligren uh, Carrick, and Zaitsev on the on the right side, and then you probably probably Marinson and Marchenko as your seven eight. Right. So, yeah. so you could you could put Hainsey and Lilligren together, right. and they you've got right. one dependable and one like woo. He's really right. good, but we're expecting bad things to happen sometimes. <laughs> now it's 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 funny because we've heard the speculation over the last month or so about JVR and then of Bozak. I am of the opinion that. There are there's a greater chance of them trading JBR than Bozak. Why? Where's the where's the depth at center? Right, exactly. Dominic will Dominic Moore be your number three? Colin uh, Greening is a good friend of mine, Adam. How dare you? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> listen, nothing against Colin Greening, but it seems like that's not what they wanted. To, they could have done that last year. Yeah, I mean, unless you know the the, uh, the elephant in the room is do they want to move Neilander to center? Which I know that Babcock has said no, we don't want to do that. We're going to keep him where he is. Um, my particular theory is they don't want to do that because if he has a big offensive year and they have moved him to center, then that six million that they probably would pay him on a long term deal just became seven and a half. 
Right, because you know, he's a centerman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you keep him on the you keep him on the wing, and he scores 60, 65, 70 points with Matthews. Okay, it's great, and he and he's showing a lot of potential, but he's not playing the position that everybody thinks that he's eventually going to play. And playing center in the NHL, you know, if you if you're scoring that kind of that amount of points at center, you're hitting the bank. You're you're going to get seven and a half. You're going to get you're going to get Ryan O'Hanson. You're going to get eight million. You know, two years of sixty plus, but you're going to get eight million a year. And now and and now, <laughs> if you keep him, if you keep him at right wing, it could be you know it could be a bridge deal for four or four and a half. Or like Kucherov was three years at less than five million. Oh my god, which what a is stupid deal. Which which is which is a great deal in the short term for Tampa, but a ridiculously bad deal in the long term because the, it's it's PK Subban all over yeah. again. They're going to get especially with Kalorn. Yeah, with the, <laughs> especially with Kalorn's deal, right? Yeah. Kalorn, you know, scoring what was it, 25, 30 points? Uh, I'm going to step on this. Marlo Matthews Marner. Marner, the the triple M line, JVR, Nylander, uh, Ma- Kapanen, <laughs> and then what's Bozak? Gone. <laughs> Treated. Well, no, uh, okay. My, the I don't know why you split up Matthews and Marner though, or Matthews and Nylander. Yeah, you're, Fine, oh, you know, who cares? Oh, he we, wants it because it's the three. No, M's. no, it's it's, it's, it's linear. Oh. I, I I have to to put. Nylander at center. Oh, certainly not moving Matthews to the wing. My my thought there is yes, there will be growing pains with Nylander, but like it's not like Bozak's wicked defensively. No, but he's a great faceoff guy. Yeah, and, and you've yeah. got Kadri too, right? It's not like he has to come in and be the second guy; he can be the third guy. The third. And and uh, I let's just say this: a year down the line, I think that the right winger on Austin Matthews' line is going to be Jeremy Bracco. Whoa! Really? Yeah. That's a big if. Yeah, I mean, not this year. Brocco's going to play with the Marlies. He's got to, you know, there are concerns at the defensive end of the ice. You as know, there is with every player as there is junior. With, right, exactly. <laughs> like, but but him and Matthews played together in the under-18s and lit it up. And, uh, you know, I think their game, Brocco is more of a playmaking winger. Matthews is more of a shooting center. I think that combo works well. And I think that, you know, when you have to maybe move some people out for salary reasons, having Brocco making 925, you know, I, I think it's not going to take long for for them to want to bring him back, bring right. him up. Right. Um, <laughs> Jeez. I didn't want to leave this behind, but since we're talking about oh like Leafs minor leaguers again. Um, so you mentioned Janssen as yeah. like your, your big mm-hmm. call up guy. You watched the Marlies more than I did. Mm-hmm. What about Janssen makes him a better pick for that position than Kirby Reichel? Speed. Speed Kirby, eh? Kirby Reichel, I, I like his game. I He goes to the front of the net. He, you know, he, he will charge to the front of the net. He'll, he'll take the abuse. He'll stick up for his teammates. I'm not a hundred percent. He's got NHL speed. I, 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 you know, maybe he works with Barb Underhill and he gains a little bit because he, we've seen Freddie Gauthier was as slow as a tugboat when he was drafted in 2013. He was, he was not, not too bad. I mean, he was, there was a marked improvement over the last couple of years in his skating. It's not. He's never going to be a speedster, but he, he, Barb Underhill worked with him and he was he was significantly better. If that can happen with Reichel if he could gain a step. I think he can be a fourth line 
winger in the NHL. I just think Janssen has got the speed and the offensive chops to be a top nine forward. To be more. Yeah. And and the guy that we haven't mentioned who we saw in the the playoffs, in the Calder Cup playoffs, who blew me away was Grunstrom. So good. Now... I like Leo Komarov, and I, I I think that they should re-sign Komarov if the money is reasonable after this year. But Grunstrom, I mean, even Mark Hunter called him Leo Jr. when they drafted him. I mean, he's 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 feisty. He gets under the skin of of his of the opposition, and he can finish. So, and he's got speed. So, but Kenny Estonian. <laughs> oh, oh, come on, right? Can he, but can he right? play? Can That's he, so much better than what I was going to say. But can he play the piano like Leo can? I don't know. Well, if Leo Komarov comes in, holy t- shit, Adam! I know. I'm sorry. If Leo Komarov comes in, and like to me, Leo Komarov, as he gets older, is the better Matt Martin. Yeah. <sighs> and he's still still a lead. Yeah, I know. It's still a leader. <laughs> I, I feel like they that I would hate to see him go because I love him, but I also feel like where is he fit? Right beyond this year. And, and Matt but Martin? he's no Leo Komarov. Well, Matt oh. Martin too, but Leo Komarov defensively is one of the better forwards in the NHL. Yes. What's so like always, how do you lose that guy and do you put him on the fourth line? What's what's been strange to me is is whenever I ask about Matt Martin down the line, people like just seem to very flippantly go, oh, Marley's, and like like it's never like, been like it's, reporters, yeah, like it's <sighs> never been, oh, it's it's gonna be this big thing and they're gonna have to trade him or they're gonna have to do this or that or, it's just very flippantly, oh, Marley's, don't worry about it. That's always been interesting to me. I don't know how they're gonna do that without pissing off a lot of people, but hey, it's only a four year deal. We're in year two of it, and he's not. He's not That's alive. the first time I've ever heard it referred to as only a four-year deal. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it isn't the end of the world. You know, yeah, I mean, he's. I, I think he's a capable player. Okay, he's not Matthews. He's not JVR. He serves a role. You see, you totally. see, you see the, the way he interacts with his teammates. That camaraderie, that leadership, that fist bumping as they're coming. Yep. That's important. I think. I think that's really an important totally. aspect of this team. And I think that they will find a way to, for him to be in the lineup. He may have to move to right wing, or Hyman may have to move to the right side. Um, you know, I, I've always thought like because Hyman, I think Hyman's a right hand shot, so he yes. could play. He could play right wing. I've always thought that the the checking line of the future was Komarov, Kadri, and Hyman, and hmm. that they mo- and that they and that what they a bunch of jerks. Oh, right, wow. exactly. I mean, please, the the the, the shit disturbing quotient on that line just with Komarov and Kadri is unbelievable. Most behind. annoying line in hockey. Yeah. Would, <laughs> most yeah. annoying line It would just line be like, hockey. okay, they're going to come out and they're going to just drop a lot of gasoline yeah. and then just set one match and leave. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's... That that seems... It's... Uh, yeah. So, Connor Brown, then. And that would free up so much for Do you so move him up to Kadri, a scoring role? He can handle it. He sure he can. He, I mean, you know, he led the OHL in scoring. He led. He was. I think he led the or AHL in, in rookie scoring the year he was. The, one year he was there. Um, he's answered every question. He's yeah, been he asked, scored. Tw- you know? He scored twenty goals playing a defensive role for half the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't playing with Matthews all the time. Only Leaf to play all four lines. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean. That's. I think he's proven a lot, and I think you'll see that reflected in the contract. I have a feeling the contract that he's going to end up signing is probably a three-year deal for anywhere from two point seven five to three million. You know, I I'm think okay with that. That would be, if the number starts with less than three, I'll, I will tap dance. 
Well, God, okay. I just can't imagine it being less than three. Did, were you were you one of those people who thought that Zach Hyman's deal was out of whack? Because I thought two point two five million for Zach Hyman was a very good value. Yeah, I don't understand. Well, I, I do on, understand. I thought it was a little high. You bought unrestricted years. You had to realize <laughs> you yeah. that. Yeah, you're right. It, you're he's right. older too. Yeah, right. a lot of people forget that. I I don't understand why. You know, I just I just figured it out. Of years ago, I was ripping on Canucks fans for complaining about Mason Raymond because they had nothing else to. And this is pre back injury, Mason Raymond. They had nothing else to complain about. When everything's going right, you need to complain about something. And whenever they lost a game, it was fucking Mason Raymond. Zach Hyman is that in Toronto or Matt Martin? Mm, for some reason, he gets a pass because he's not playing with Matthews every night. Right, right. I don't think he will anymore. By the way, I don't think. I think. I don't you think, think, you think uh, they're going to put Marlowe with him. I uh, probably not. How could you not? And just see what that looks like. Like, I, I mean, that's that. That's where. Okay, I have no complaints with what the Leafs did in the in the offseason. I think they were all good moves. I mean, again, Hainsey, I thought, was the replacement for Hunwick. Dominic Moore was a really good replacement for for Brian Boyle. They're different type of players, more small as a smaller guy, but you know, defensively he's very responsible. And Marlowe, you know, I think that was you know, Babcock loves him, Olympian experience. You want that guy around your young core. But there's it really didn't address the area that they needed to address. I mean, I would, as somebody looking at their situation, it's like, you know, I think somebody said, well, why didn't, you know, they could have spent the $6 million a year on Andre Markov instead of, and not, not you know, as a, a one-year deal, you know, mm-hmm. at least it would have addressed the area that they needed to address. Whereas they, you know, you added another great winger to a team that has so many wingers. It was a little bit like the Bernier trade in a way. Like, okay, you improved it, a, a position, but it was arguably your strongest position Well, la- th- that following, or the previous season. There was a loss in confidence of Reimer after... Game seven. Game seven. And then, one game right. ruined the and that, and that's, and that's Well, and that's, that just shows you how reactive and stupid the, 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 yeah. the management was. Thank at God, that though. But, now we have this but is, and I'm not saying that this, this is stupid, but I mean, I looked at the Marlowe signing and I said, okay, that means they're trading JVR because you just added a number one left winger and you have a number, your incumbent number one left winger is up at the end of this year. And is I, I do not think there is any possibility that JVR resigns in Toronto. He would, no. he, you know, he can make me, he can make me a liar, but the only way he resigns in Toronto is if he takes a three, like I'd say, a three or four year deal at around the same money he's making now, and he's twenty nine years old no, next he's summer. Not gonna he's do gonna that. he's gonna hit it out of the park. He's gonna he's gonna sign a Lucic deal or an Opozo deal for six million for six or seven years. Opozo's a pretty good guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah pretty, I mean, you know, so they really have no hope of signing him to the deal that he wants. So you would think that they would want to. They, you know, maybe. You know, we know that he can score. We know he fits in well here. But at a certain point, they have to get assets back for him, unless they just think that you know they're going to make a run at the Stanley Cup and and he helps them on that mm-hmm. road. And they then, they, they uh, basically I, the, the way I look at the Leafs is like a really big bodybuilder who skipped leg day. Like they're a little <laughs> thin. <laughs> they're like a they're all big up here, like up front, and then like they get their legs are in shape, out of shape guy from the fifties. Yeah. 
You know, and maybe they do. Maybe they do trade JVR. Maybe they do. I don't hate it if they don't, though. Because, well, the re- again, it's then you've got Marlowe and JVR. The reason I'm on my phone right now is I'm trying to look at deals that happened really early last year and when they happened. So, okay, minor league deal October 11th, minor league deal October 8th. The Yakupov to St. Louis deal happened October 7th. Right. The big, uh, the Boland-Kraus deal happened August 25th. Right. Last year. And, yeah, nothing between that and July 18th. So, trades do happen between now and the beginning of the season, but... Not many of them, and we're running out of time. Yeah, if, we, if you want an early deal, you remember, because I know you were there. We walk in, oh, we we walk into the Mastercard Center, and they're holding all these interviews with all the players. And I think Brad Ta- Boys, Brad Boys, and Taylor Back was interviewed. Devin Setaguchi, Devin Setaguchi, and uh, Gl- uh, Curtis Glenn Cross, and oh wow. yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh man, so, I forgot about that. So then, like about five minutes later, we're waiting for waiting for Lou. All of a sudden, uh, Steve Keogh, the Leafs media relations director, comes up and says, uh, "Lou's going to come out and talk to us." We're like, oh, okay. Nobody nobody expected it. And then all of a sudden, uh, one of the other guys for the media relations started passing out pa- pieces of paper. Taylor Beck, Matt Finn, Carter. Yeah. They There's made been the first, a six-player trade. Six-player, six <laughs> six-player trade. In like stealth. I mean, it was it was Lou's introduction to to the Toronto media. They just passed it out. Nobody knew. It was like boom, and he did the same thing last year with the Bernier with the Bernier trade. It was it, it was in Niagara Falls. Um, Matthews and Marner at the the rookie development camp. And we interview, and Lou comes out and says, uh, "We've traded Jonathan Bernier for to <laughs> Anaheim," and like, no, you know, no, nobody I mean, very it, nonchalantly, yeah, like you know, and uh, for future considerations. And I says, and I asked him like, um, I asked him like, "Do you have any? Can you can you elaborate on the future considerations? Their future considerations?" He's like, you know, like no, <laughs> no. no, nothing. But <laughs> but with with Lou, I mean, he he holds his cards so close to the vest that. It's very possible that there is a deal that will happen that could happen in between now and training camp or right at training camp. So I, I, I think how is it not Nashville? I mean, is he not a good replacement for James Neal? JVR. Yeah. Mm. Who did they get this offseason? They got Nick Benino. Yeah. I'm trying to remember uh, if they made a big trade or something. Well, they 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 got Emelin from uh, from Vegas. They get Emily. I don't know why they needed to do that. Well, they didn't. (laughs) And they say that they're they say that they're comfortable with their defense the way it is. But Ryan Ellis is a free agent, I believe, in two seasons. And you know he's gonna and Yossi is up, I think, in two or three years. And he's he's he could be the most under next to John Tavares. He could be the most underpaid player in the National Hockey League. His salary is a it starts with a four, and that's obscene. You know, Tavares should be able to kick his agent in the balls for that contract. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> doesn't yeah. even make six million he, bucks. Well, Amen, uh, hey, even I mean, Stamkos did the same thing in terms of taking the five-year deal, but at least he got seven and a half. Right. You right. know now. You know now. Amazing, that's a bargain. Yeah. That's now, player, now, right? now, Tavar, now, Tavares is going to UFA, probably going to UFA next year. I mean, he says he wants to stay in Brooklyn. That's all fine and good. But you know, the teams that are the teams that are out there in uh, in terms of you know in the rumor. In the rumor sphere regarding Tavares, one is Montreal, as you said, which would I think make most Leaf fans up chuck. We, yeah, and the other one I think would make people equally as sick is Tampa because you've got oh. you've got the advantage of the of the state tax of no state tax. 
he probably would take not like nine million, which would basically be the same so thing as a Nashville 11. has the same thing too. Nashville yeah. has no tax. So, so does no. Dallas. So does Dallas. That's why Radulov, Radulov got offered the same deal in Dallas that he did in Montreal, but the taxes in Quebec are up the wazoo. Oh, they're crazy. Yeah. yeah. We came up with a silly little fantasy scenario, and by we, I mean me. I'm silly. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but this was before Carey Price was extended. I'm like, what if the Habs are well out of a playoff spot? Do we actually see the trade rental Carey Price? UFA well, now, John Tavares would be the biggest UFA since yes, like the, the since who to be available at the Brad, deadline. Brad, oh, no, Brad Richards in terms Brad of, Richards, yeah, yeah, in terms of hype, but right. but I mean he's way better Boys. than oh yeah yeah Brad, Brad, Brad Richards. Brad thir- Richards. What would be the comparable to that? Like Wayne Gretzky? Like I mean, and I'm not saying that John Tavares is Wayne Gretzky. And, and Wayne and Wayne Gretzky was in his 30s at that point before leaving from going to Saint from St. Louis to eventually should have been Toronto. Well, I guess should have been Stamkos. Toronto. Yeah, because I mean, he, yeah. he he went to he went to that five day window. He did, he know, did resign. He did resign, or he did uh, you know take a meeting with the Leafs and and the mayor and Canadian Tire and uh, what, what else? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Canadian Tire. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, that's awesome. They're they showing him the sponsorship money you can yeah. make by signing in Toronto. Now the the question is: Is that cap circumvention? If if all if all of a sudden the Leafs. In July, in, in late June of twenty no. of twenty eighteen, they pitch John Tavares and they say, "Okay, Canadian Tire will give you three million dollars a year in an endorsement deal, and we'll offer you ten. That'll make you the highest paid player in the NHL, but only ten of it will go on the books." I don't think that's capture. I think that's ma- that's leveraging your assets. Yeah, interesting. I don't little, think that's capture convention at all. Let's say the Leafs did do that. One interesting little thing they probably left out is when it comes to Olympic caliber players, that shit doesn't matter. Right. Stamkos has those deals. He has a deal with Coke. Right. He has a deal with Nike. Right. Pr- could probably get one with Canadian Tire. Like uh, Tavares has basically whatever he wants. Crosby advertises freaking bread. Uh, Dowdy advertises chips, and he's on Canadian Tire too. I think a lot of guys do stuff with like what Esso or yeah, or, mm-hmm. or but still Tim Hortons and I know, everything. but with Olympic caliber guys, the whole Toronto allure that doesn't matter. It's not like hey Leo Komarov and Matt Martin, we're gonna put you in a Ford Web ad. Yeah, but this is what you we, know. It's a little different. This is what we have to look forward to over the next decade. Is that for all this talk over the last few years of nobody wants to play in Toronto, the the media scares you know it scares people off. Done. That's done because now you've got Austin Matthews, you've got Marner, you've got this young core, and you know Patrick Marlowe said it when he signed. I mean, one of the reasons he came here was because they, they have this young, talented core, and this team has the potential to win. And they paid me. Then they paid me money. So I mean, it's going to it's going to attract players. It it, it, it you know it, it definitely will. I mean, it's done. It, it you know Brad Richards went to Chicago on a one year one million dollar contract to win a Stanley Cup. You will get that in the next few years. You'll get guys who are veterans who will take one year, a million, a million and a half because they think that this team can win the Stanley Cup. Now, hopefully, it'll be defensemen. <laughs> you know, and 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 if if the Leafs and I wrote about this for for the Sporting News, if the if the Leafs were going in on Tavares like they did on Stamkos, the only the only downside is you're probably going to have to trade Kadri. Because you'll have Tavares playing up the middle, playing 15 to 20 minutes a night. Matthews doing the same. You have 
Kadri making four and a half million dollars, and you know, as a and checking. what a deal! Holy it, it smokes! Great, great, great deal, and you can get something for him. But the thing yeah. is, you know, the Penguins win the Stanley Cup. And they have Nick Benino as their number three center, and that was a matchup problem for him. But Nick Benino was making a million nine. As soon as they had to pay him what he was worth, which was over four million, they couldn't afford him. So they would have probably have to trade. They probably have to trade Kadri for most likely defensive help. And unless Lou really gets onerous with Marner and Nealander to get them on bridge deals like like mm-hmm. the Kucherov. They probably would have to trade one of those guys. I have a feeling that they're not going to put those guys on bridge deals. They're just going to sign them. Yeah, <laughs> they're just going to sign. How them. are there two months left? We have limited time, so we got to do the uh, we got to do the press conference. Go ahead, Jesse. Uh, no real press. Conference. Oh, we're not going to do a press conference. Okay, yeah. fine, fine. We're not going to do the press. I was about to do the. Sound, I prepared. No, I was no, all prepared no. for the press conference. Uh, wow, wow, no press conference. No, oh, radio calling in audible. I guess we got to. Yeah, I guess we got to wrap it up and go. But Mike. Thank you so much for coming in and for sharing your knowledge and your perspective and your story, which is, I think, the best. Yeah. it's well, And we're constantly going, you know, all the young listeners and students in school and all that, when, when did you start this call-in journey? 1998. How old were you? Uh, 31. You're in your 30s. Yeah. You know, so if you've been thinking about it and you want to give it a shot, give it a shot. Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doesn't matter how old you are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mike, thanks so much for coming in, man. Thanks, uh, guys. Any, find, anytime. If we can find Mike at Hockey Buzz and uh, obviously uh, Mike in Buffalo on Twitter, because of course, and in real life, apparently, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Is that does it say in Buffalo on the license or no, 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 no? no. <laughs> and you did the Sporting News as well. No. Sporting News Canada. Yes. Thanks for coming in, buddy. Thanks. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle, at Adam W-Y-L-D-E, and at Jesse Blake. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Brought to you by Panago Pizza. Order at Panago.com and stuff your face with deliciousness.